Bring me pictures of Spider-Man and Fortnite. Sam Fisher's back. Well, hello and welcome to the Daily Bugle. <laughs> Chris, welcome like to, to Triangle Square. I'd like to sell these squared. pictures of Spider-Man. Hey, Mr. <laughs> Jameson, I need I need to sell these pictures of Spider-Man. Hey, look, we're hey, not Brett. trying to we're not trying to relive the plot of Spider-Man Three. Okay, settle down. Okay, <laughs> be good, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Welcome hey. to episode two hundred and forty-two of Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Uh, we do not have a Mr. Solomon today. He woke up with a migraine, and thankfully, now that we have a third person, if those moments happen, one of us can dip out and help take care of ourselves uh, physically, first and foremost. So, with Saul, quick recovery, uh, but thanks, Chris, for being on the show these days so that we can still keep things going easily and smoothly. How are you doing, good sir? I'm doing great. How are you, Brett? <clears throat> I am good. I'm a little tired of the way our weather is around here. Yeah, because it's like 40 degrees in December one day and the next day it's 80 degrees in December. So, I mean, you know, I'm just uh, it is what it is, but it's been terrible. Well, <laughs> That's it's, all it's I can better really than, say. It's better than on the East Coast where 40 is our warm day. Yeah, well, yeah, but a 40 degree difference like a day apart. Is ridiculous. That's yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. In December of all times, <laughs> I'm talking like forty to like ten. So I don't know. <laughs> Thirty degrees is pretty steep. Still, definitely when you're reaching into those temperatures, <laughs> your boy doesn't have heat in his car, so it's not mm. fun out here. Not in these streets. <laughs> well, Chris, one of these days you will get heat in a new car with your <laughs> Mister Manager money. Okay. <laughs> you can you can make this work. If you are new to Triangle Squared, then first of all, welcome. Uh, and stick around and kind of figure out how you can be part of the show with the community's take where we ask the community to answer a question that, that we then talk about throughout the episode or in a specific <clears throat> segment of the episode, normally pertaining to what we discussed last week. Um, so for getting the show started in the normal way, Chris... We got to hit with the traditional honorary. What's been playing this week? Um, pretty much only Halo. Uh, Halo. I played a little bit of Prey to the Gods, but I haven't had that much time, so it's just been Halo. <laughs> I keep doing the same thing, but yeah. I'm really trying to teach myself to be Prey for the Gods. Is what it's. <laughs> and I know it's I'm, Prey for. Yeah, the gods. I've been following the game for what five years at this point. Right. But at the same point, it's just. So I guess there's something about pray to the gods that sounds Way like what better. you know. I live in the Bible Belt. <laughs> you're supposed to pray to the God, you know, one day. Um, so yeah, it's it's been. I catch myself doing it every time. I'm like, nope, that's not what the game is called. But uh, yeah, so you played a little bit of that. I mean, like, how many of the bosses did you get through? I beat one boss, and then I got like the intro boss. Well, it didn't do anything mm-hmm. crazy, and then I got into the open world and. I got to what I thought was the second boss, but I'm positive that I can't climb it yet. I'm pretty sure I have to like shoot an arrow at its head, and then it'll come down and I can climb it that way. And I don't have arrows yet, so I've just been kind of meandering around. Now I'm wondering, because I only have one of the bosses left, and I'm you said something about a goat. Yeah, it looks but... like a goat. Hmm. It's like in this... Uh, 
It's like I in a circle room with everything is dark and it's just this little circle and the, the goat is just walking oh. around. No, there's a completely different thing you gotta do. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I know what you're I know what you're on. Gotcha. Right, yeah, no, you can do is it. Is that but is that the second boss? Did I find it out of order? Like what do you what was your... I, I think I I think I did it as a third boss. I think the second boss was the devourer for me, which is like a ground worm. Uh because oh, yeah, the game presents the, the bosses to you by <clears throat> putting this like little sphere of light down to where if you go to it, that's where the boss is. Yeah. Uh, but also on the way, you may stumble across another one, um, which is something good because I, I too have been playing Pray for the Gods. Um, and first day, like my really quick impressions were like, I really like this. This has like the Shadow of the Colossus, which I know you don't keyed into that because you've not played Shadow of the Colossus. But not. for me, I think it has this Shadow of the Colossus uh inspiration and it wears it on sleeve and then it got to the point where the way they start to introduce the story i was like oh no is this wearing the shadow of the colossus inspiration a little too on the sleeve Mm. i still haven't got the answers for that yet because the way that those games work the story is very front loaded and then end loaded uh the in between is more about completing the task and to that end um I don't know if it's going to shift up some. I hope it does. Uh, mechanically, it, it makes a lot of changes to the formula, so it does what it can. But uh, yeah, I um, I really like the game so far, and I'm glad that it's finally out. Got shadow dropped. Uh, very odd choice, but I mean, I'm I'm down for it because normally a shadow drop makes me think, uh, okay, is the game kind of like in a rough state? Why didn't you like want to announce it? But yeah, I've had zero bugs the entire time I've played this game. Yeah, you know. that's funny because um, yeah, the shadow drop was crazy because it just sh- I have I had it on my wish list, and it was like I oh. had that and Among Us on my wish list. Like, didn't buy Among Us, don't care anymore. But when I put it on there, you know, popular game, and I got the notification while I was at work. It was like, pray for the gods is released. I'm like, what? It was to the point where like I thought it was like an early access thing. So I'm like, are there trophies? Like, is this the full game? Like, what's going on? And turns out it was, so I was just instant bought. And then of course you were just like, oh, I already got a code coming for that, but, but thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean But I, I kind of wish I <clears throat> Yeah, I kinda wish I hadn't already used my code because at that point if I could just play it from you, I would have just given my code to someone else as a yeah. like, hey, you know what? Try it. Um I do think it's a good game. And uh something that me and you were talking about kind of as a quick front loaded conversation is that feeling that like I've not been drawn to play much outside of Halo lately. Mm. And I, I'm pretty sure it's keyed into the fact that the game is fun. Halo's fun, but it's a game that you can do other stuff while you're doing. So yeah. it's kind of what I call uh, my buddy Donovan. We used to do Diablo and chill. And this sounds far more sexual than it should be. But <laughs> the idea is that he lives forever away. He's one of my yeah. good friends, one of my best friends. And so easy way to keep up with each other while still getting to kind of partake in our hobbies is like we both love Diablo 3 and it started because he came and visited me and I, we just decided to hang out for a few hours playing Diablo 3 and catching up and kind of shooting the crap and then it became this thing where once he went back uh, to where he lives it was like we just text each other occasionally like Diablo and chill and like you just hop on and you play Diablo and you just catch up with each other and have a good time and I think Sea of Thieves kind of became that, where it's like, hey, let's just hop on and play something that's easy. The Forest is pretty good for that because you can do a bunch of other stuff while catching up. And so Halo's been that because I've been able to play with a lot of friends I don't usually play games with. Mm-hmm. And so the social aspect of it's really good on top of a really good multiplayer game. You know, So yeah. all that together, it's really hard to move away from that and see if Thieves 
Sea of Thieves, I wanted to take a break from. I didn't want to ruin myself on the game. So this is the first game in what feels like since Guardians, so two months, um, mm-hmm. I, I think, that I really am like, oh, yeah. And like I went and turned my PlayStation 5 on and was like, I'm going to play this. And very good. It's, it's yeah, very good. It is. Before I did that, though, I did have to beat Halo. I was like, I'm you so did. close to the end of Halo campaign, and I beat it. So, see, I got I got to the open world. I did some of the FOBs, and I'm kind of just in the same position. I was telling you last night that like I haven't really been enjoying much, and I got mm-hmm. to the open world, and I was just kind of like, eh, I don't really want to play this. <laughs> so well, I just started. I, it's, it, I'm telling you, dude. The craziest thing about that game is everybody's talking about how much they love it. I think the, mm-hmm. the game is at its best when it's not worried about the freedom of the open world for the most part. Really, the game's yeah. at its best when it ties together the main story with having you in a main story mission in a part of the open world, but then mm-hmm. continuing it by loading into an instance more linear part. Yeah. I think that's when the game excels. I honestly think it's a very uninspired and bland open world like most games that have open worlds are. Uh, I, I yeah, just think I'm it's not, true. Now, the I'm gameplay is fun, so there's that. But yeah, I, I like. W- there's no reason. What compels you to actually want to go and clear the map? Yeah. yeah. You haven't played enough to really answer that, I suppose. But I'll tell you right now, I beat the game and I was like, I don't really care. The most fun well, I've had is really just the story and the gameplay coming together. Well, I can I can say, and I I know people will make fun of me, but uh, but it's like without trophies, I have no motivation to clear the map. None, genuinely. I think none. that's why most games, like the only game I can really think of that without trophies being part of it, and the reason I know that is because I beat that game all sorts of crazy, but still didn't get the platinum because that wasn't what I was going for. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> was uh, Batman Arkham City. I played Arkham City and did every side quest you could do in that game just because yeah. I thought it was an interesting world. And the open world was littered with things that led to really interesting side story content. And that's not really the case here. I was really hoping that this game would kind of tap into that to where like the high level targets would have like micro stories of their own, kind of mm-hmm. like Batman, where it's like, oh, here's the Blade Master. Oh, here's this guy. And by the end of this all, you still will get a weapon, but we're going to give you like a little chase of how you find out about them and they're going to know about you and they've been trying to come and get you and you're going to play around with that story, but it never does that. And therefore, it's literally just a stronger than usual normal enemy on the map that you don't even have to employ any different tactics for. He's just a slightly better bullet sponge. Mm -hmm. And then you get a weapon that's barely different. And it's not that compelling. And no. that doesn't mean that I don't think the game is good. I do still think the game is good. It's just... Well, it's like... Open have, world wasn't the cure-all. Too many people do no, open no. worlds without understanding how to make them compelling. Exactly. I mean, in terms of what you were saying with the bullet sponges, is there was that boss fight right at the end of when before you go out into the open world. I can't remember what his name was, but it was one of the big banished guys. And I didn't even realize it was a boss fight until I was like, oh, wait, he has a health bar. Like, I think this is a boss. And then I was just like, I just harpooned him a couple times and punched him and it was over and I left the building. Like, it wasn't difficult at all. That's the biggest thing I could say about the game is that uh, it's, you know, when I think about boss design in games, uh, I think that this game has so much ample opportunity to really Mm -hmm. push out and give a really interesting boss design. Uh, Definitely considering the mechanics they have, and yet any given boss in this game can pretty much be beaten entirely without having to actually utilize any one mechanic. And so to me, I think about games like Killzone or um, or Resistance or even some 
you know, games like Spec Ops and stuff to a degree, but a little less. But definitely in games that have sci-fi aspects to them. I think Killzone and Resistance do a great job with setting up boss fights because it puts you in a position where it feels epic and interesting and not just another corridor with a slightly stronger boss. Good example, you played Killzone 2. You remember yes. when you're up on top of the tower with Rico. the entire group? You have, yeah, you have Rico <laughs> and, um, oh God, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Garza and the last other guy. Dude. Oh, well, it's been years since I played this game, but I remember yeah. it for the most part. Um, you're up on the tower and there's this kind of like giant drone that's circling around and you have a little tunnel that you can go through and you have ammo pits and everything there and you're having to basically utilize the space very well and use specific weapons and play the game in a slightly different way to beat it. And that doesn't exist here, um, no. which is unfortunate. And I feel the same way about some of the bigger resistance bosses where it's like, hey, you're going to fight the Black Widow in Resistance 3. It's a giant alien spider looking thing and you have to play the game and run around your environment in a very different way. And all of the boss arenas, including the final boss in Halo Infinite, are just like normal rooms that you play the rest of the game in. <laughs> they just, I, again, I like the game and I like the story, and I think the moment-to-moment gameplay is great, but the moments that are supposed to be like big, I'm overcoming something, doesn't really feel like you're doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably because the game was rushed. Uh, you know, they, they knew that they had been making it for long enough, and they you had to get it out the door at some point, but it's unfortunate. I really love shooter games that really lean into more interesting mechanics and uh it's where we are so as much as chris i think your answer as you said last night right that like you're in a weird spot where you don't even you're not sure if you're into gaming at the moment i think that that's primarily because the end of the year doesn't have a lot of great single player experiences that are truly gripping and interesting outside of story so if you don't care about story of halo i don't think halo infinite is as good as it could be, but it's, it's still solid. I mean, I still think it's a great game and it pulled me to play it, but the open world did not pull me to play it. Well, it's like <laughs> I, I said to you, like we, I think guess we disagree on this, but I had said yesterday, like the halo multiplayer is my game of the year by a mile, let alone the campaign means nothing to me really. So I'm like, I'll try it. I'll try and finish it, but I care more about playing tactical slayer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the game's really fun. But I guess the question, and this is general curiosity, how much do you play that game by yourself? Oh, a lot. A I lot. just don't. I mean, I do too. I just don't go for the so challenges. I'm, so I literally, like, ever since they added the playlist, I've only been playing Tactical Slayer. And the only time I play something else is when you guys are too big of babies to play Tactical Slayer with me. <laughs> hey, don't throw mostly that Blake. on me. I mostly like Tactical Blake. Slayer. Entirely Blake. I just, but. but they, I just also play the challenges and I want to get those yeah. done. <laughs> well, it's like, I just, I, I don't, well, it's just one of those things. Like I don't like big team. I hate big team. I think it sucks. So like, but like everything else I love big team does suck. I'll give it's you that fun. Big team needs like new maps stat. And these new <laughs> maps and these players who, who are playing big team to actually play big team. Nobody's playing big team to play the games. Yeah. Also, I, don't think I would like a big to see them player. So, I'd like to see them askew um, big team and make a map that does not work with vehicles at all. I want a big mm-hmm. team map that you still have to do everything on foot and really yeah. look and see what that does to change up the game mode. But they got to add anyway. Um, I don't know if you saw Call of Duty added Krampus, and if you're not playing the objective, he's an unkillable monster who comes and fight and kills you. They should just put that in Halo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that. 
Okay, that'd be interesting. Oh, I, I dig it. Uh, well, I'm curious for you to get more into Pray for the Gods. I think it's a great thing. And there's not, you know, Boss Rush, which is what people kind of typically look at and talk about with uh, Shadow of the Colossus. That's probably mm-hmm. the biggest version of seeing that game proliferate elsewhere stylistically uh, is Boss Rush, where it's everything is bosses like Fury and um, the game from Death Door developer Titan Souls. Um, yeah. Those are great examples of like, hey, you're going to play a game and everything's a boss. Uh, and those yeah. are fun, and I like those. But none <clears> of them really leaned into specifically the lone person in a world focusing on climbing and looking at verticality. And it's cool to see somebody come back and kind of tackle that again. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's you know it's novel, but I hope that they have a little more creativity specifically within story <clears throat> tucked down in there. But Chris, I I'm agree. also going to petition you. Yeah, if you're liking this game at all, you should go play Shadow. I should play Shadow. I'll I'll download it right now just for you. Look at you go. If you get real into it, you can get a a sweet platinum out of it. I will tell you that to get the platinum, you have to you have to play the game at least two times through because you have to beat all the well. Technically, you have to beat all the enemies uh, on time attack. I will try. So. We shall see what we shall see. Exactly. I want, if anything, if you end up playing it and loving it, I want it to be one of those platinums where you're just playing the game and you're like, yeah, I'm going to platinum this because that's all it was Mm -hmm. for me. I was playing it. I was like, I almost platinum it on PS3 and I'm really feeling it right now. I might as well just stick with it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Good times. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see by end of year, I'm not exactly sure what's going to pull me either besides this game, but Mm -hmm. I'm willing to let something tickle my fancy <laughs> i think uh i think the big thing that got me too is doki doki was such an interesting and odd game literature club so i think that was part of it too where i played that right around the same time as guardians and i'm kind of recovering from the fact that i don't think any game's been that interesting to me like yeah. the layers and stuff in it so i don't know we're should, gonna find out you should play dang and rampa i have it you should try it I've I've actually really thought about playing them uh, multiple times. I probably mm-hmm. will. I think they Dang look like pretty interesting uh, games. And Phoenix, right? You should play both of those. Those are all really good. Hmm. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, guess it's time to hop into the news. Uh, what say you, Chris? Yeah, let's news it up. You news, well, before you lose. We hop into the news. Thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, and I also want to take this opportunity to shout out a new Patreon that we have. And I want to make sure I get his name correctly. Uh, but we, this show is brought to you guys by you, whether you're just listening to it or whether you feel the extra uh, love and click through to patreon.com slash nartech and give anywhere as low as a dollar per month. You guys are awesome. And our newest patron is Salvador Garcia. He joined the Discord as well. Look forward to hearing some of his thoughts on the uh, topics that we talk about within the podcast. Uh, and really, welcome to the show, Salvador. Uh, so, welcome, Sal. without further ado, <clears throat> The news, as done by Chris. So Chris takes these opportunities to make me say things, and I'm going to take this opportunity to read it exactly as Chris has it in here. Okay, let's rock. Enjoy it, I should have done a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) All right, first thing up on the news, indie darling Little Devil Inside has been shown off by Sony multiple times and has a lot of fans excited. Sadly, those hoping for an early 2022 release date will be disappointed as a new teaser on PlayStation's Instagram page has it pegged for a winter 2022 release window. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, that's fine. The game looks awesome. 
But why show that at the PlayStation reveal? Well, I agree, but it's better than showing a 2024 game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, on that point, I do think if you're going to show games that are that you know are way out, I think Mm. the only time that you can really get away with that is is at a console reveal because it's like, hey, we're showing you what the next present and future like years yeah, yeah we're showing right. you what we're trying to do with this console right now and i think like you, if you miss that opportunity but then you start showing us little devil inside a year mm-hmm. after and then it still doesn't come out for four years then you've missed the mark but if you show yeah. me it now and then it still comes out four years later i'm like i see what you're trying to do you're trying right. to show what you're going to do with your system but. exactly i think it would be interesting if we got you know how marvel does like their slates if sony comes out and they're Ooh. just like here's our slate and it's just Marvel games, uh, God of War 2, all this kind of stuff that we had no idea about. It's just showing all of it. And it's like, this is the future of the PS5. This is what we're doing for the for the foreseeable future. Things may come and go. You, but You know, I wonder how well that'd work. And the main reason that I wonder how well that would work is that Marvel's in this very specific spot where they're adapting things that have been around forever. Uh, they're mm. not creating new heroes in the movies for the first time to where you'd be in like, I don't even know what that is. Like, yeah. You know, you can look and be like, I, even if you don't know who Moon Knight is, you can look up Moon Knight. You know what I mean? You should you look like, up oh, Moon Knight. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> but I think Sony's biggest thing is when you're doing a lot of new IP heavy, you could, you know, like imagine before Horizon was announced or revealed or anything, if they just like three years prior were like, this is our slate of games. And it was like the order, 1886, Horizon, um, Days Gone. You'd be like, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> you no, know what I mean? Think, think about it this way. But it right? would be if cool. It had, if it had like little pictures, like kind of like a screenshot and all you'd gotten was like Horizon, let's say 20, I don't know when it came out, what, like 2015. That seems 2017. Sweet. It was the same year as Breath of the Wild. So it was like, okay, 2017. It had Horizon and it was just a picture of the dinosaur thing. I'd be like, okay, sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, well, the order was know. hyped up off of a, a, a video of, and, uh, you know, just it's a good example of actually kind of doing that. No one mm. knew what the order was. And the only thing we had for years was a video of a carriage going through a foggy night and then getting attacked and seeing silhouettes of people and the implication of werewolves. And everybody was like, I'm in. Exactly. So I guess you're arguably, you're right. You don't even have to do much. A picture of a dinosaur for Horizon makes people be like, word? Yeah. Days Gone might be a little bit harder of a sell because it's a little more grounded. I mean, just seeing yeah. a biker guy standing beside a motorcycle might work i don't I, not as well as a robot See, dinosaur that's one of those where it might not work because people be like is this a sons of anarchy game and it's like nah yeah not really <laughs> it's like a well, son of cut I off mean, limbs game <laughs> i mean it is sons it of is, anarchy is, but. with a bunch of other stuff <laughs> you know a bunch of freakers goddamn freakers I do like the idea, though, of being more transparent because it kind of takes the power away from all these leakers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then you also have this thing where I think the difference here is that Marvel, by the point they're doing this, are pretty much they know for sure, like, you'll know more than me. Has there mm-hmm. ever been a situation where Marvel has announced something on their yes. slate board and then it got canceled? Yes. Like outright right, Ant-Man. Well, I... Um I don't know well, about Ant-Man canceled, still but came at some point. That's right? what I was going to say. It, they announced the Edgar Wright Ant-Man and then they canceled it. I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm positive there has been. Yeah. Okay. Or and the main reason I asked that. The slate for, they've definitely shifted the slate. Like 
the Multiverse of Madness is, was supposed to be out already before No Way Home. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And apparently they're going to do a bunch of reshoots, so I'm assuming that means they've altered the story considerably. Okay. Um, but with that in mind, I think that's the big thing is that sometimes, like, you know, they could come out right now. Like, we're seeing, let's just take rumors. We're seeing mm-hmm. rumors of people saying that there's like a new Uncharted coming, and we're seeing rumors of potentially Sly coming back around. And the thing is, is that do you really want to throw that up on a board and be like, this is what we're planning, and then have to deal with getting people who have been waiting for a Sly game super hyped just to be like, we tried. We just, it never felt right. We didn't find the right developer. It didn't roll right. So we're going to cancel it because yeah. you face backlash that you didn't have to because you didn't, you never had to throw it out in the, the. No, for sure. But you can always be like, this is like our slate of stuff from like one game per studio. Like we know Insomniac's doing like 85 games, but like they could have been like had the whole vision board up and then it's like, okay, Spider Man, Spider Man 2, unannounced Marvel project, unannounced Ratchet game. You know what I mean? They, they could get around that kind of stuff, I think, but unannounced to IP, you know, and still hold up some of that hype. I don't know. It was more just like a That a might be the way exercise. to do it. Yeah. That might be the way to do it. Unannounced new IP because then you still get people who are like, I'm just excited about something new, but I don't right. have to know much about it right now. All I got to know is there's a new IP. And maybe you can even say developer like Gorilla, new IP. Sucker mm-hmm. Punch, new IP. Exactly. Because then you either get people who are just into the idea of something new in gaming, or you get people who are like, I loved Infamous. I'm down to see whatever Sucker Punch right. is doing next. You know? Yeah. Blue Point, Bloodborne 2, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I just think that there's, to a degree, there's something to benefit from gaming being a little less closed off. And I think that we're kind of seeing that happen. It's getting to the point where, like, I feel like Ubisoft just coming out and not waiting for Jason Schreier or someone to say it is just being like, yeah, we're planning for the next Assassin's Creed game to just be like a hub world thing where you go through and all Assassin's Creed are tied into a single, you know, thing. And then you just go off and play the little experiences from each one. Like saying that now, it makes, even if they don't do it, they don't have to deal with that thing of someone being like, Oh, here's the leak of someone standing in front of a, uh, it's cobwebs in a pyramid. And I think that this is Assassin's Creed goes (laughs) Egypt. You know what I mean? You kind of to, you don't have to worry about that existential dread or like the guy on the bus or subway station that someone took a picture of like looked over his shoulder and saw the shadow of the Tomb Raider presentation. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Right. Yeah, so. he just had the laptop out. Um, I don't know. I think in the end this won't happen because we need to protect Jason Schreier's job so that he can protect the big companies. Oh well crunch will always exist, so you're good. Yeah, crunch and so a sexual assault, but you know, for five years we'll have to gather evidence until it blows up on its own. Ooh, anyway, what's next on the news? Let's move on. Next thing on the <laughs> news is uh, we're gonna get we, we just got blocked, Chris. Uh, oh no! Ernie Thanks for listening, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Ernie Hudson, shit. the actor who portrays Winston Zedmore in Ghostbusters, has seemingly confirmed a new game in the works and this comes off the back of rumors that Ilphonic is working on a Ghostbusters game which I won't even say rumors I mean it's from Ilphonic Ilphonic CEO was like yeah we're doing a Ghostbusters game (laughs) so I would say it's it's a leak more than a rumor (laughs) it's an internal leak it still hasn't been announced so well I guess it has what am I talking about they're doing a Ghostbusters game whatever it's fine it's coming (laughs) enjoy if you like that Uh, I've never played I never played the Ghost but the first Ghostbusters game but I've heard great things about it Um, I haven't heard heard as much about the yeah I haven't heard as much about the remaster Um, but I also think the PS3 one's probably an era like a product of its era 
Yeah. So wonder if it holds up any. So do you think but, this Ilphonic game is going to be super disappointing because it's going to be an asymmetric one person is a ghost and then there's four Ghostbusters? That's my worry. That sucks. I, it's, I it's a worry. I would like to see Ilphonic break their asymmetric thing because yeah. by now you got to think they're bored of doing that, right? Instead, the way if I was like if I was Ilphonic, the way I would pitch my games, like more pitch ourselves as a studio to a developer that we want to work on their product is, hey, we have successfully done adaptations of three different franchises. We excel in taking a franchise and adapting it to game, and we want to do that for your game. Don't sell it as, hey, we've adapted three series into asymmetric multiplayers. We want to do that with yours. I think there is more reason to try and explore outside of that, kind of like Telltale used to do. But Telltale did the same thing to a degree, right? Where it's like, you knew if Telltale announced a game, what it was going to be. And I think that there's some degree of benefit to studios to not be typecast, if you think about the way actors go, where it's like, well, that's all they can do. That's all they can play. All they can play is a villain. Right. Right. You know, like, it, it stands to m- gain from their sake if they can get away from being the asymmetric multiplayer studio, in my opinion. I would agree. I just don't think they're going to do that. Because they mean, keep trying and keep are, failing because <laughs> Dead by Daylight exists. So, like, I don't know. It's weird, man. I mean, they clearly still have a job, so I'm I'm happy for them in that regard. No, they also I, have that that... Well, and actually, if I'm not mistaken, they do have that game. What's it called? And I don't think it is an asymmetric multiplayer. Um, Lord, what is it called? It's like the arcade. Yeah, Arcade Geddon. Oh, yeah. But I don't think it's it's a com- it's a cooperative multiplayer game that provides a mix of PVE and PVP. So I guess that's their example. It's already released, but that's their example of Early trying access. to do something outside of their standalone thing. Yeah. So... In that regard, it does look like they have some interest to at least move from asymmetric multiplayer. Now, the bigger question is, does it still, will that still need to be a, um, a multiplayer game? And I would imagine that that's where they're going to still keep themselves typecast is multiplayer Mm -hmm. games, even if they skew off. Because that was kind of what I was going to say is I feel like, um, Ghostbusters should be a single player story. Like why? Why is it not like it's going to be this live service? Oh, I got a purple backpack that shoots green goo. You know, I don't want that. I just want to play a Ghostbusters. I, I mean, I let me let me rephrase. I don't want to play anything to do with Ghostbusters. I don't care about that franchise. But I would rather. I would be way more interested in like here's a single player fucking survival horror like something like that game like starring go- the ghostbusters that would be awesome instead it's going to be like a bunch of dudes like flossing on ghosts and the michelin man or whatever like i don't know i don't want to play that game i would pl- i would much i'll give much you that into that i i don't want that either i don't think that the way to go with ghostbusters is to make a uh games as a service free to play game that ends up having some of the things that even Halo's doing to a degree. And not that all of it's bad, but, you know, like... And actually, Halo's done pretty good to stay relatively grounded. I mean, they have little things like flowers in your ear and stuff. But it's nice to see stuff kind of break away from the Fortnite mold where everything's kind of campy and and goofy and funny. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. You just don't want to see it run rampant. Um, But I think... Looking at that, as someone who does like the Ghostbusters franchise, uh, and I think that Ghostbusters isn't a great uh, uh, 
space with the new movie Afterlife doing really well uh, and kind of really satiating fans. I think they have a really high chance of bringing this back as a decently powerful um, IP. But it's weird because I have two things. In my mind, I think that you could really play off a Ghostbusters game that leans into, but in the more campy nature, but not entirely, not like flossing on people, but the somewhat more campy nature of how they portray ghosts in Ghostbusters, but with the idea of something like a phasmophobia where it is people going into an area you could go much bigger maps you could do like a warehouse a library whatever it is and you have to find little clues that get the ghost to come out and then you got to find ways to lure it over to the trap and then hit it with the guns until someone can slide the trap under and open it i think there's ways to make that as exciting as like what i did last night in halo where you our flag got dropped and I had to melee somebody dip down while holding the enemy flag and then grab their flag and then run and slide in and just like right before getting shot and get that little point. I think you could get that same kind of fast pace, like, Oh, I can't believe we did it from that type of gameplay. So in one way, I think that you can make a great ghostbusters multiplayer game. I also agree that I think a ghostbusters single player game could be great as well. Uh, But I don't think it has to be one or the other. It just, needs to be careful about not trying to become something that's very Fortnite or Radical Heights-like. And it goes to show you that there's apparently almost uh, only so much room in gaming space for it because Radical Heights tried being real over the top and it died very quickly. Mm -hmm. So there's that. But then the other thing is, is that I... As as weird as it is that we're talking about the asymmetric multiplayer, I think it's specifically in relation to Elphonic because I think I told you about this. But while speaking of phasmophobia, I think there's actually a good argument to actually have a version of phasmophobia where one person is the ghost. They move around the map and they choose when to hunt and they go through and make noises and or basically don't you don't make noises but for you to move around and try and survive and it puts the game on a time limit you have to touch things like you have to you you touch a door and if you touch a door they can hear it and go scan it and it brings them one step closer to finding you i think that could be really fun but that's just me whereas i think for you i think you're a little more just get asymmetric multiplayer out of here in general no not in general like i like i said i love dead by daylight it's just a matter of it's just a matter of uh, yeah that's a, fair at a certain point no matter how good the game is eventually you can't make anymore you know what i mean like call like we have like think about it in battle royale right pubg warzone and, and apex i can't believe i forgot my favorite game of all time um <laughs> yeah but how like every time someone brings in like when Ubisoft did that uh, Ghost Recon Frontiers, it's like why you can't win at this point. People are so entrenched, so it's like okay, everyone's playing Dead by Daylight. You might have an opportunity for one more of these, right? Of one more of those, but eventually the the market is full. You can't. The market is at capacity at a certain point, and like maybe you can survive off the hundred thousand. If I'm being generous, players that might migrate over and love your game like something like vigor which i really like has a very small player base but i you know we're not hearing about that game because of how small it is and it's 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 surviving i don't know that it's it's not huge so every time i see one of these i'm just like why are you doing this like why bother and it's just at a certain point something dominates the market let it dominate you're not going to beat it you know what i mean 
especially like multiplayer stuff. There's just not enough bandwidth. So it's like, why are you bothering to jump in when none of your other games like this have hit? Friday the 13th, literally dead. You know, Josh Ayers in the Discord was talking about how he tried to look for a match of Predator for two hours, I think he said, and then just deleted the game because he couldn't find a game. So yep. you're just going to add another log onto the flame of failed games because it can't, it doesn't, there's no bandwidth for it. You know, even if the game is, is great, it's not going to beat Dead by Daylight because Dead by Daylight has Well, that's everything. true too. But there's also, uh, and there's this is a really big difference between, and it also depends on what their uh, what their intentions were going into it. One of these things is that Dead by Daylight, in the way that it's built, is clearly built to be a long games as a service mm-hmm. type game. Whereas sure. what ends up happening, whether it was their intention or not, is that all of Ilphonic's games end up kind of living this traditional old school now multiplayer life where the multiplayer is only active for roughly a year. Kind of like we were talking about with the last of us. Um, whenever we're talking about it's multiplayer it's like old call of duty thing where it's like call of duty was really like primarily pushing a single game for around a year to a year and a half at most Mm -hmm. two years. would seem like the biggest. And then they would really try and push everybody onto one of the newer games. The one that came out that year or the following one. And then that game would just kind of die. And that happens with multiplayer games or it used to, but it's not something we're used to seeing as much. Now, when you see a multiplayer game come out, you're like, well, this is probably meant to try and last forever if they can make it do so. And if it doesn't, then they failed. But I guess the big thing is, is if Ilphonic is, and whoever they're partnering with is happy with this year, one year, year and a half, two year, whatever it is, cycle of their games, having players and then suddenly becoming a ghost town. I guess they can keep doing that if that's what their goal is. But it is hard not to want to compare it to something like Dead by Daylight, which is clearly trying to live as long as it can and making moves to be a continued games as a service. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know. I'm not trying to like talk negative. I hope these guys are successful. I just wish they would just sure. look at Guardians. You know what I mean? That's that's a th- that's a game that is great. I don't know how much money it made or how well it sold, but that's two days of your life instead of having to maintain servers and doing all this stuff. I just think make a single player game. I don't. You know, I that's that's my opinion. I would rather you just do that. I think that's more interesting for Ghostbusters. And I think it's better in the long term, personally. Unless they're happy with, like yeah, you said, that, that one-year traditional multiplayer thing. But even with, with factions that you brought up, is I, I don't think that's going to be something we've seen. I think that's going to, in my opinion, like the more I think about it, that's going to be a cross between Escape from Tarkov and, and Rust. That's what I think that game is. Oh, yeah, you're talking about and that, yeah, factions yeah. when it comes back so, around. Yeah. You're making you're starting something new. And whether that works or not is another question, but it's not oh, we're doing a Last of Us Battle Royale that's going to get eaten by by Apex and All the Fortnite and Warzone and the only people who are playing that are like the hardcore Sony ponies, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it just doesn't make well, sense. You kind of you got on something where it's like you can do these things, right? If the Last of Us mm-hmm. is going to come out and say, "Hey, we're going to be the Last of Us Battle Royale," they can. But the right. only way that you're going to really stick around, like you say, and pull people off, is that if you change mechanics in such a drastic way that it's uncommon. And I'd say that's kind of what the original factions was for the Last of Us. It was like, "Hey, this yeah. is more or less a normal." 
4v4 thing, but it's very team focused and it has a lot of survival elements within the multiplayer, which at the mm-hmm. time was not something that was dominating multiplayer. Uh, so I agree with you in that regard, but you, you're kind of hitting it on something I was thinking about. You know, you were talking about battle royales and I agree. Every time I see a first person shooter or third person shooter battle royale, it's really not doing much different, even <clears> though it's trying to lean a little bit on the mecha- like the mechanics that it has. I think we're to the point where battle royale if it's going to evolve and have new people into into the range, it's only going to work if you start to eschew it with another genre. Like I still think a twisted metal battle royale could come out and do surprisingly well because for people that don't care about shooters, but like the idea of being able to whittle people down, suddenly you come into car combat, people who like car games and racing games kind of start to play with that. And then you've tapped into a part of the market that's not as hit. Whereas Mm -hmm. The first and third person shooter battle royale is, is tapped. I mean, you can keep exactly. trying, but there's been a million people try the idea and there might be the million and one that does it and actually does get some ground, but it's hard. Whereas it'd be a lot easier for a completely different genre to come in and be like, we're going to be battle royale by idea, but we're going to completely change it to where you're not doing these things through uh, guns and running around a map. Instead, you're going to be in a vehicle or you're going to be, you know, it's it's kind of hard to think about it outside of vehicles. Like I'm I'm unsure of what other types of battle royales you could do. I guess in, in a way you could look at something like Tetris Effect, where if I'm not uh, if I'm well, is that what it's called? Isn't there a multiplayer Tetris game that I never ended up playing it? But I think the yeah, idea is that they added you're basically Tetris Effect, I believe. To where you're basically just going and playing Tetris and you're going through without having to load a bunch of different players. And if you win, you move on to the next player quickly, correct? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, no, Tetris okay. 99. You're talking about Tetris 99. That's, it's a battle royale yes, that's from what I'm talking Nintendo. About. Exactly. See, that's an interesting idea. That's how you do it without racing and vehicles and all that. It's right. like you're, you're taking a puzzle game and making a competitive puzzle game. Battle royale. And that's interesting. You know, like when you hear that, you're like, that's novel. Right. No one's doing that, you know. So, Tetris uh, we'll rocks. see what ends up happening with it. Yeah, I haven't played it yet, but I've heard great things. Uh, I wish, I I'm wish them luck. It's free with your, it is free with NSO. <laughs> yeah, and I have that. I just, you know, I got to play my Switch. So, and that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it is. All right, next thing up, masterful roguelike Dead Cells is getting new DLC. Motion Twin released a trailer detailing the Queen and the Sea expansion, which is set for release in January. I should probably get back to Dead Cells. That game is fantastic. It's an excellent um, game. And I'm really curious how it plays with all these newer games that I've been playing, like Hades and stuff, you know? Hades. Other roguelikes. Probably. I, but I haven't played uh, Dead Cells in so long that I'd be willing to come back into it. The uh, the shift okay. of plane is pretty nice. You know, Dead Cells being 2D and yeah. Hades being third-person isometric gives it a good breakup in style. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing up, February gets even more packed. Good Lord. As Roll7 has announced that the new game in the Ollie Ollie series, Ollie Ollie World, is coming out on February 8th. Um, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Roll Seven end up getting purchased by was it? I did not. Who was know it? That. Was it Private Division? Uh, maybe I don't know. I didn't hear that. Or that do it. Yeah, this has been a little while back. Uh, yeah, Tone Private Division cat. acquires developer Roll Seven. Well, so the, the people who are putting that game out. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Yes, we will. Um, I have played the Ollie Ollie games I gave for free on Vita, and they never really tapped into me. But I will say, I Ollie them. Ollie World looks very different because it it's does. 3D as part of it. Yeah. Um, 
I'm thinking of the right game, right? In Nolly Ollie World, like taking that idea but making it like 3D follow behind your character. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It looks great. I'm excited for Ollie Ollie World. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, the next character in what Chris was talking about, day by day, Dead by Daylight, rather, uh, is based off the Japanese adaptation of The Ringu. <laughs> <laughs> the Ring. It will be released in March 2022. So I guess that means, as someone who's never played Dead by Daylight, by the way, Chris, I just want you to know that. It's excellent. I guess that means that, like, is Samara in the game only, or is, there, is it like Samara and other characters? Because I remember, like when they did Stranger Things, it was like the Demogorgon was in there. But then I'm pretty sure you could also play as Steve and the his love interest, the sister of old Finn. I can't remember her name right now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, are you talking <laughs> about basically time? in these situations? No, okay. <laughs> talking no, no. about uh, Stranger Things. Oh yeah, I've um, never seen it. The only thing I saw of Stranger Things way, was the finale of season three. And that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. What a weird wild time to come into a, a series that you have zero context about. <laughs> but <laughs> they were okay. just singing as the world was ending. I'm like, what is this crap? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. There's a monster destroying the city, and these kids are these children are just singing as they're supposed to be saving the world. It was very weird. Okay, I'm I'm clearly not remembering the end of season three, which is probably speaks volumes to the fact that it's not as good as season <laughs> one or two. But well, well, that's a different conversation. My question anyway. here is: Who all from the ring ends up coming into Dead by Daylight? Is it just um, Samara, or is it literally characters from the film, or the, be, the story itself? It should, it, I think it should be characters from the film. So it'll probably be whoever the main girl is. She'll be a survivor, and then Samara will be the bad guy or the, the murderer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was asking is that the way that the game is set up is usually that you have a survivor, which is based off of someone in the series. So like for, I guess for like Friday the 13th, it would end up being like, uh, not Friday the 13th, uh, Halloween, it would end up being like Jamie Lynn's character, mm-hmm. right? Or Jamie Lee Spears. What's her name? Jamie, that not Jamie Spears. Lee, Jamie Lynn Spears am, is yeah, Spears' sister. You. Yes, it is. Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> I'm on one these past few days with names. I don't know what's going on. Uh, says Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fluffy. Inside jokes. Inside jokes. Either way. Uh, so there's that. You still play Dead by Daylight occasionally? I do, yeah. It's very good. I love it. Um, I'm looking just See? to be... Yeah, so Halloween, it comes with a survivor, Michael Myers, and a map. So they add a good amount of stuff to the to it. So I'm assuming you have to buy these? Uh, yeah, eight bucks Okay, for the Michael Myers one. I mean, I, do you keep them forever afterwards, or once they leave the game, are they gone? They don't leave the game. So do they, but the ability to purchase them leaves eventually, is that no. what it is? No, I don't it, think so. I really... Again, I don't have a lot of reference, but I thought I remembered Stranger Things like leaving. I think Stranger Things might be the one that did because the license ran out, but everything else is still there. That's wild because how many, good Lord, how many licenses and partnerships are you juggling with this game at this point? You know what I mean? Mm. Crazy. 
I just no, looked. It's, it's they, still there. By Daylight, Stranger Things chapter, PS4 and PS5. So yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely thinking of something else, but all right. You might be thinking Maybe of one how... day you can convince me to play Dead by Daylight with you. As long as you're not like Blake, who just starts a game and then gets <laughs> upset that I didn't tell him how to play it while we were in the middle of a match. <laughs> no, 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 Chris. I won't be like Blake in that way. I'll be like Blake in the fact that I'll start playing Dead by Daylight with you, and then the next day I'll sell my console. <laughs> Appreciate that. That'll be great. <laughs> Love you, Blake. <laughs> I'm still mad okay, about that. Okay, next... Next game, uh, or next piece of news up, rather. More release date news comes our way with Wind Jammers, Wind Jammers 2. The sequel to 1994's brilliant Frisbee Pong game is gliding our way on January 20th. Nice, Chris. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> that feels like a news blurb. So <laughs> you, you did your job. Uh, I've never played Wind Jammers, so I have, very little, I have very little to say about that. But I've seen people play Wind Jammers whenever they brought the game back over with the remake or whatever it was from Dot Emu or whoever. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's man, awesome. Hectic. It I, was, I, so I saw it happening it. and I was like, what is this? What am I seeing? Because it's just, what, yeah. what, what, what? You know, it feels like when you're watching a tennis match go on. Really, it's more like ping pong because tennis has got like, you know, you have longer arcs. Whereas like ping pong, if you see people getting into it, you're like, I don't even know where the ball's at. It's just, yeah. blah, blah, you know, yep. kind of like so my favorite fun. part of uh, the PlayStation Move sports thing. Gladiator was super fun. You had a sealed and a sword. A sword. Uh, and then you had uh, ping pong. And my favorite part of ping pong is if you put just the right spin while you were going to hit it, the ball mm-hmm. would like, catch on fire and like shoot way off. It was really cool. <laughs> Classic Rockstar game, game uh, table tennis. <laughs> yeah, basically, just with PS Move. I don't Actually, remember who legitimately it. good game, for the record. Rockstar I've, table I've, tennis I've is heard, awesome. I've heard fantastic things. <laughs> I would not buy a table tennis game as like, it depends. If it was 20 bucks, maybe. But with it being Rockstar, I'm sure it was at least 40, even if it was just a table tennis game. Probably no 60 because it's Rockstar. <laughs> I got it free with PS Plus. I actually think <laughs> I own that game. I'm not even kidding, but I've just never played it. Um, all right. Well, you can buy Windjammers 2. There you are. January 20th. I'll, Rock it. I'll play it then. Yeah. Uh, next thing up, Fortnite, as uh, has been part of the conversation today, has added Spider-Man No Way Home skins to the cartoony Battle Royale. Starting on December 16th and running until January 6th, you can swing into battle with Tom Holland's Peter Parker or Zendaya's Zendaya. How do you actually say her name? I've never thought about that. I think it's Zendaya. Okay, we're going to say that. Her uh, MJ. Uh, this news, as Chris put into quotations, was only included so that he could tell you to go watch No Way Home in theaters. So, Chris, have your opportunity. Go, go watch No Way Home in theaters. It's really good. Chris won. Chris wants this to be like the biggest film premiere and like biggest box office success of all time, which it probably already will be. Just want to throw that out there. No, I think you should just. I think you should <laughs> far see the from movie. home, far from home, a singular movie without yeah. all the Avengers pulled together, grossed over a billion dollars. This movie's exactly. gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just, I just think you should see the movie, and I think you should see it in theaters. I agree with that. It's much like I said with Dune. If you weren't watching Dune in theaters, I think you missed half the movie. Or half the experience, at least. I won't say half the movie. You clearly watched the same events as I did. But it was you missed half the experience. Right. 
So. Yeah, exactly. Also, just you need it because you need you need the audience. I'm gonna tell you right now. Absolutely if I've ever do. felt like a film had an audience like participation part, this movie feels like a movie that's supposed to be watched with like a live read of the room at all times. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't want to see it in theaters personally, but whatever works for you. Probably, man. probably a deep hatred of people. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Or, or you don't want to have to sell your kidney to afford the the popcorn and soda definitely since they don't get free refills on larges anymore man you could mm. definitely just not buy popcorn and soda for the record you, you could you could do you put on a hoodie you go to taco bell you get two mm-hmm. burritos you put them in your hood and then flip it up to where they can't see it and then you get in the film you just have your buddy or whoever or even yourself just reach back there and you have a little burrito pocket i've done it uh <laughs> that is your cheat for the day I was struggling back then. Now I have a wife who just loves to shovel down the popcorn, and uh, I just buy the popcorn. I do love the popcorn. I complain about it every time. But I'm just saying, (laughs) the price of popcorn is not a reason not to go to the movies. You do not have to buy the popcorn. (laughs) I agree. But also, the price of popcorn at the movies is ridiculous. Uh, 100%. It's a little bit better because I'm a Cinemark whatever club member. Yeah. (laughs) But still, no. It's not worth it. Uh, either way, we'll continue on. Uh, Chris really just sells a story here. More depressing news out of communist China. CCP front Tencent has acquired <laughs> game studio Turtle Rock, the developers behind Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. Their recent outing, Back for Blood, is a pale imitation of their best work. Chris, whoa, pull the punches, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped so not much. Punches. Yeah, so not much was lost. I see what you did there. Thank you. For audiences in the transition. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see. I'm a little... It's interesting seeing Tencent outright acquire as opposed to just do their thing where they just put seed funds into everything so they can say, mm-hmm. yeah, we're part of that and that and that and that and that. Um, you know, Chris, I want to slide one in here because I think it's interesting. Do it. And I think it's something worth talking about. Have you seen the outrage on the internet over what? Star Wars Eclipse and uh, the fact that Quantic Dream is working on it? I have seen it. Don't care. <laughs> yeah. Basically where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I like Quantic Dream's games. Uh, the whole studio is not David Cage. I'm not even entirely sure that David Cage did anything because they went to court and nothing completely came out. It was odd. Uh, so at this point, I'm going to stand in the ground of I don't know, and I'm not going to condemn an entire studio for the potential of one man's actions. Um, believe, believe it or not, I am not surprised the internet took one headline and ran with it forever, even though evidence to the contrary seems to have come out. Yeah, I mean, so. I don't know. It very well could have happened, but you know, yeah, I it, bet it, it did. But nothing yeah, happened and in I'll court, give the thing so like, yeah, and I'll give the thing of it's it. always hard to do this thing where like you want to support. Like you ever see people are like, don't buy the game, and then other people are like, no, still buy the game because even if the the people who are the heads are bad, the people mm-hmm. who made the game still you know deserve to be appreciated and have their well, work that they put so much time and emotional mm-hmm. labor into amid. Amidst those conditions, so it's a. I understand it's a. It's a weird place to well, be. I remember, but the also re- reality is that at some point, if you completely look at every single game studio, 
Oh, pretty much 95% of game studios are going to have a reason as to why you shouldn't buy their thing. 95% huh. of soap makers are going to have a reason as to why you probably don't agree with them and shouldn't buy their soap. Right. But that some of them are to- starting fight clubs. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, Tyler Durden made soap. Dickhead. I, um, no, you're not supposed to talk about fight club. Good Lord. No, now you've ruined me. I'm out. <laughs> we're no longer in it, but yeah, no, I don't know. Cause I remember reading, um, some tweets from people who worked at Raven and they were talking about like sick because of our boss. None of our work gets recognized. Nobody cares about us and what we've done, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. think that's fair for any of them either. Like, I don't. Well, and it's this thing too, where that sting is going to be felt once, if they ever leave the studio, right? They'll be like, Hey, mm-hmm. we see that your last game you put out really underperformed, which is going to make it harder for them to potentially get onto another studio that's worth it. And yeah, in a perfect world, people would be able to quickly be like, well, this was this reason there was this, and there was sexual assault. So people chose not to do it. And hopefully whoever was involved would be like, yeah, good point. We'll give you a chance. But you know, it's, it is a thing of you never want to see your work be belittled just because of one person who is somewhere in the cog, you know, one cog in a very vast situation. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is a hot take and relatively off topic, but like what what we choose to get mad at in the games industry is so dumb. Like Caitlyn Jenner killed a bunch of people in her car. The baby killed people. You know what I mean? Like Ray Lewis murderer. Like I don't, I'm not going to get mad about this stuff. I'm just going to play star Wars eclipse because we, we pick and choose what we get mad at. And yeah. I'm not choosing and to get mad like, at any of it. I'm not, yeah, I'm not mad at something I don't know enough about. I just hope that if those allegations were true, that that's no longer the case. And I guess I should say be the case, Ray Lewis is an alleged murderer. But <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner did kill people with her car. And DaBaby did kill someone. So... You know, whatever. And yet, people are people are mad about different things. Like the exactly. baby said something, and they're not mad about him killing somebody. No, right. I mean it's, it's you're right. It's the 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 things that we choose to key on, and that's even outside of games. The thing we choose to key on and be like, yeah, that's the bad thing, is exactly. often very odd. Um, like, I, I'm not going to get mad about David Cage what he did in his past. I'm not going to play Star Wars Eclipse because Star Wars sucks. But that's why <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> I'm excited for it. I like Star Wars most of the time, and I like uh, Quantic Dream most of the time. Uh, the, mo- yeah, the most fascinating thing about Star Wars is that the movies are terrible, but everything around it looks so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a visual smorgasbord. Like, this trailer <laughs> looked sick, but then I'm like, oh, right, that's Star Wars. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next thing, Chris. Ubisoft has announced a remake of the first game in the hit series... Splinter Cell. That's right, baby. Bum, Sam Fisher's bum. coming back. Also, I just said that because it sounded like the thing to say. I don't actually have any affinity for Sam Fisher or the Splinter Cell games. Not because I think they're bad or anything. I've just never played them. I love them. Throwing that out there. Blacklist uh, is awesome. I mean, I, I'll say that. I've played like two minutes of one on a PS2, and that's really more like 30 minutes in a multiplayer mode that might have been King, Xbox 360, actually. I'm not entirely sure I can remember but it's not enough to have a feeling towards the series. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the game is being helmed by Far Cry 6 developers Ubisoft Toronto and is running on the proprietary Snowdrop engine, which is actually pretty cool. Snowdrop engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game is in early development and most likely half a decade away. Those looking forward to this can do so through a high-powered telescope. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We'll see what ends up coming of all these things. Uh, 
it's interesting to see uh, Snowdrop kind of be the thing that they're pushing forward with because uh, Far Cry 6, I think, is still on Dune, is it not? Or Dunya? I'm not Did sure. they finally change? Now I got to find out. Yeah, it's still on Dunya. I figured it. I figured it would. Um, <laughs> which actually leads me to what is a uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint engine? Anvil, which is the Assassin's Creed engine. Oh. Um, yeah, Anvil next. Interesting. Hmm. It's always odd. I'm assuming that whoever's working on this really likes Snowdrop and the way it works because as we've learned from EA, completely having your entire studio use a single engine rarely works out in your favor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People hated. So, uh, what is it? Frost? Frostbite. Yeah, Frostbite. Well, Frostbite's a great engine, but it was made by an FTS studio. So why are you going to have like a dri- like driving games use it and third-person and like, a, action and adventure an RPG. games? Like, right, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, it's odd choices, but I mean, that's that's what they did. So looks like they've at least started to somewhat look at moving away from that being the for sure thing for everything. But who knows? Because Anthem was still in Frostbite, so... Mm-hmm. That's life. Uh, are you excited for Splendor Cell? I'm definitely going to play it, um, assuming that my kids are out of college by the time that it comes out. So you seem very pessimistic on its actual release window for a remake. I don't think you know, remakes, yeah, remakes tend to be pretty quickly. Game. Yeah, but they're making yeah, sure. the game again, so I don't know. They said it was. Yeah, uh, but- I think they said three to four years in the, the announcement trailer. And then I just assume they're going to delay it like four or five times, even if that's yeah, we'll see. delays. And there's plenty of reasons as to why games slow down like that. But you know, remaking is always interesting. Cause like, um, I think shadow of the Colossus only took a uh, blue point, like 18 months because mm. the thing is, is that you don't have to actually do design work entirely from the ground up. You don't have to go, okay, so what's the core of the game? What are we making? What are the co- core mechanics we're choosing to use and employ in this game? What's new? What do we got to work focus on? Instead, it's, we already have our story. We already have our characters. We already have our things. Now we got to find a way to mo- modernize them and make them look mm-hmm. more modern and feel more modern, but you still have the loose, gameplay core that you're going to go with and so it's a little quicker um you know it's it's like you look at games like god of war uh 2018 and they're like yeah that game took five years to make but three years of it was figuring out exactly what the game is going to be and then two years of it was making that game you know what i mm-hmm. mean yeah so it's game development's really odd because it's much like writing a book which you would never remake a book because that would be pointless hmm. because book technology doesn't get better. You know what I mean? I mean they're literally <laughs> rewriting 1984 in a femi- in a female perspective. So you are actually wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> but that's the most 1984 that's, that's, ass thing I've ever heard in my life. That, that's gender bending, right? I mean, it's not choosing. It's remaking it with a with a change that you're doing to try and change the way that the rest of the story goes. I, As a yeah, result. It, right? I was more joking. I just find the fact that they're doing it <laughs> with the book about doing that is very funny. Yeah. Anyway, but interesting time. Gaming is odd. You know, it's one of those things where anything visual, you can always be like, yeah, there might be a reason to remake it because visual technology has come so far. But a book is like, it's just words on paper, bro. It's been words on paper forever. They're yeah. not going to be any better now than they were. 1500 years ago or whatever it was when we started writing you know well i so, want my hardcovers 
Like it's going to be a thing where someone chooses to like remake something. Like they're like, yeah, I'm going to re rewrite the Aragorn series and, uh, or, you know, the, I can't think of the actual broad series for that right now. Uh, and I'm just going to write it with even bigger words. No, no, no. Percy Jackson's Uh, whole other thing, but made that uh, up. All right, next thing in the news, Keiichi Toyama shore, uh, shared some details on the uncomfortably named Slitterhead. Also, great name. It is uncomfortable. Uh, I don't agree. It's odd. It's a you bad, hear it's a like, terrible name. Oh, dude, it's it's the perfect name for how weird the game looks. That's it's, basically it's, what I'm getting at. This is not an original thought, but it sounds like a racial slur. And it, I don't like that, it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, it's going to be an quote action oriented quote horror game it has no date or platforms announced but toyama stated he wants to reach as many players as possible without sacrificing the essence of the game we'll see if he's ballsy enough to release a game on ps4 by the time that it comes out interesting chris interesting that you would word that because i think <laughs> that answer is yes I, I, yeah. <laughs> if this game is three years away and and Sony is allowing and Xbox is allowing PS4 games to be released, I would be blown away. They absolutely will. If they can continue to sell 20 million copies of anything, 100,000 copies of anything on (laughs) systems they don't have to do anything else to, they'll do it. You say that, but they won't even let you buy PS3 games. So don't agree. (laughs) Well, that's because nobody's making PS3 games because to make a PS3 game, you have to develop the game a whole nother time or port it over and... Yes, painstaking time getting it to work on the cell processor. There is Whereas both less, of these are x86. You know what I mean? Right. But my point is they're all, they won't even let me purchase already created games and hand them full retail price because there are no more deals on PS3. So I can't imagine they're going to take away from the PS5 by letting games come out on PS3 in 2024, 2025. You know you what mean I mean? PS4? That's yeah, that's exactly. That's what I meant more than anything else. If they're not letting what do you me give them I want to clarify, free money, why can't you get? Why can't you buy games on PS3? Let me rephrase. They were going to stop allowing me to buy games. They were, but they did. They, so. But they will eventually. Well, they've already done it. It's where you can't. You have yeah, to. You have to go you get can't gift do it cards. With a card. like, you have to get. Yeah, you have to load on your PS5 and then use your wallet balance elsewhere. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It just it's just weird, and I don't like <laughs> that stuff. If they're gonna, if they were even thinking like. We're not going to allow us. Free, we're not going to allow people to give us free money. I don't know that for me that the hundred thousand sales makes sense when it's like you can't get this on PS4. You need a PS5. I think that makes well. The reason I'll kind of I mean yeah, there's that, but also for for this, I think a big reason as well is that the PS3 was the first time that the uh, servers came into play for digital mm-hmm. games realistically, uh, and then PSP shortly after. And I think what happened is because of how bad their technology is, they had the situation where the PSP games and the Vita games are on one store instance, uh, like a different server instance that had its own propri- own built-in thing that they had to pay for for payment processing. PS3, its own server. PS4 and PS5 are on the same server with the same payment processing. Mm. And if they ever do a PS6, at this point, I would presume that they're doing the same thing. So what's happening, yeah. you can't buy PS3 games because they don't want to have to pay for this inst- individual server instancing. And at that point, because the new consoles are all x86 architecture, they're very similar to develop for. I guarantee you if a developer's like, hey, I have this small game that I want to try and release and have a bigger chance at making money, then they would let them. But you you I, could be right. I just would be very surprised when Vita, up until literally last year, was still getting new releases constantly. 
Well, Vita is a hand. Vita is not is not direct. Competition. You're right. It's a handheld, and it never got it, it never got a comp. Yeah, compared if there was a Vita two, company. they would have murdered Vita a lot faster. But all I'm going to say, and we can move on, is that another podcast was talking about this exact thing, and Sony shut down that store to save six figures. So, oh yeah, for, they should, that, for sure did. Multi billion dollar <laughs> company trying to save six figures. Uh, yes. Anyway, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. What's next on the list? Next oh, thing is pretty sorry. interesting. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl is finally going to be updating their game with voice acting and cross-play after many fans' requests. Uh, and seeing the response to a platform fighter whose developers actually give a crap. I'm not going to curse on this show, Chris. How dare you? I don't curse. Wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. <laughs> Go listen to the you know, Yeah, I was going to say, there's two things here. Anytime I play a game... With people who listen to the podcast, are like, "Oh, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't think that you cussed or like were dirty like that." And I'm like, "No, I just it's time and place. Yeah, <laughs> you know the, the the show is meant to be a little more clean. But if you play games with me, I cuss all the time. That's just who I am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, continuing on with there, I haven't gotten around to this game despite hyping it up, and I'm aware of the hypocrisy with that. But <laughs> it's life. Uh, I do intend to get around to this game, so it's cool that by the time I get to it, I'm gonna wait at this point. I'm not gonna go into it until there's voice acting because thinking about it it's gonna be super weird playing a game and there being like nothing just like silence and like mm. fake hit sounds like i want to hear the people talking crap what's the point of pitting people together if they don't say anything right realistically you know what i, I mean? need like the mortal combat intros of them like talking crap to each other dude that would you know be amazing I, mean? I actually like love those spongebob crapping on are. cat dog you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. that would be I mean, sick there's all sorts of things you could do you and but there i would also want animations like paired with it but you could do all sorts of things mm-hmm. you know you could you could reference like the crusty crab pizza thing and have him come into the match like trying to you know about you're about to get served a slice of crusty crab pizza bro you know, no it's okay you know how they do the <laughs> intro and the outro ones right so you're fighting spongebob and then he goes, oh, I'm here to deliver the Krusty Krab beatdown. And then the other guy <laughs> says something. And then the other guy wins it and he just goes, where's my soda? And then walks away. I like how you, I love what you're doing. <laughs> you just, you just sounded like when we've been making fun of the Halo announcer. <laughs> where's my soda? <laughs> I still think that's such a great idea. Live action, Halo, just do everything. Need that, and we need the ghosts of celebrity. If ghosts. nothing, if nothing else, I just really want to petition Bungie to create an accolade for when you blow up vehicles. Yeah, sorry, three four three. You said Bungie earlier about I something did. completely. Uh, so, look, shame I'm on you. Try, you did I'm this to me. Help. I'm just trying to. You help. did. I'm going to petition three four three to create a, an accolade in the game for when you blow up vehicles and it's mm-hmm. just they're probably not going to do it because of religious aspects in different countries but oh, i just no. want something that says jesus take the wheel <laughs> i would I will, have to be will, like uh please refill your headlight fluid <laughs> i don't know to be fair they have demon in the game so if they're worried about religiosity i don't think they gotta worry too much i mean it's fair you know whenever you whenever you get 20 or 25 kills it's demon i mean which is sweet <laughs> I'm not taking that that's away. Sick. I'm here for it. <laughs> that's sweet. But yeah, I just think that you could give so much more. The The accolades are probably one of the most fun things of the game. You don't got to li- mm-hmm. give them to literally everything, but I'm surprised that there you don't get anything extra for killing an entire vehicle. You know how hard that is in that game? Yeah. Four rocket launchers and I still didn't do it. Yeah. BS, by the way, 
BS. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but, uh, are you going to get around to playing Nickelodeon finally? Uh, eventually, when I can probably get it for free. <laughs> yeah, I forget neither of us have bought it yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we haven't played it. Exactly. Are we just, in a, are we just in a holding pattern? He'll, I think he'll so. break. He'll he'll budge. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. I think this is cool though. Uh, I think this this is partly inspired by the fact that Metaverse has got announced too. Well, yeah. I think they're seeing a way to how do you stay more relevant? Let's listen to the fans, baby. Let's mm-hmm. uh, update the game, add these, add some voices because I'm Metaverse just, is free to play and has and voice acting and everything in it. I'm so. just blown away. They thought they could not do it. You know? Oh, me too. But you, I'm also not that surprised. Well, but the thing for me is you don't have to do all that much. Just use archive voice from the shows. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, have some dude now, you might watches have to, a bunch of cartoons and cuts out voice lines. Like, why would you do anything more than that to begin with? You don't need to get I these assume, guys back in the studio. Back in I the assume stew. that there might be some things of where you have to pay the voice actors for using their voice in a new product again. Maybe, um, but it's still cheaper than bringing them in. So it doesn't even. Yeah, it still doesn't make sense. I agree. And or Nickelodeon could be smart and be like, you know, we own your voice footage and you that's only what get I was paid literally just for this particular thing. I would be but blown away know. a company like Nickelodeon and Dan Schneider have uh, have don't have that in there. You know, that's your that, feet pictures are mine. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, I was gonna make a more subtle joke than that, but we'll move on. <laughs> All right. As Chris has put, finally, Sony has shown mm-hmm. why its legal bark and bite was deployed against noted douchebags D brand. Yeah, you really do it. <laughs> the company has finally detailed its plans for accessorizing your monolith console with black, blue, pink, and GameCube purple faceplates. First of all, calm down. There's names for each one of these. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't gonna look them up, so I just I just said that. <laughs> Fair I enough. Guess I uh, I just... Matching color controllers are also going to be released alongside. The face plates are coming in at $55 USD. Uh, for com- for comparison, uh, D Brand's new ones run at $60, and the mm-hmm. DualSense will run a cool $75. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll take the opportunity here to say that my initial response to the face plates were also that seems high. Yeah, and I think it. I think I really keyed in on what it is. I think it's that it seems high in comparison to the controller that you can understand why it's that high. Yeah. I think it does feel weird to be like, "There's nothing. This is just a thick piece of plastic." But this does stop you from having to buy an entire new PlayStation to get a different look, uh, and you are comparing it to what other people are doing. So you're actually undercutting your competition by a little bit. Mm-hmm. And at that regard, I think they're I think they're doing fine. I think my real takeaway here is that I will probably still buy them, but I'm going to wait a little bit longer and see, um, because I think that they missed a big opportunity by not coming in and saying, "Hey, there's standard faceplates that are 55 that are colors, and then for 75, there's premium faceplates that have designs and stuff pressed into them." Yeah. Like at this point, dude, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to buy a Demon Souls and a you know plate well, that has like press symbols and stuff into it or I know why they're not doing that. Are you why? Give me me your answers. Yeah, dude, that's it. You don't need collector's (laughs) editions anymore. That's what they're going to do. They're going to be like, Hey, you want Spider-Man two for 
125 bucks, you get a Spider-Man 2 faceplate, the DLC, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, okay. 250 I get what you mean. Yeah, they're going to include them in their collector's editions for games. Exactly. I thought you were saying collector's editions, consoles, like the, you know, the special no, no, edition no, no, consoles. No. And I, I think that there's no reason to do those anymore. They'll probably still do it. There's no, still but do it. I won't say there's no reason, but there's less reason. The benefit they used to get is that people would buy a console multiple times because mm-hmm. they wanted this cool new one, uh, and that would introduce a new sale. But plates kind of make that a little more pointless. Yeah. But, you know, I think at the same you time, if you're making $55 per plate, then you don't care. Well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, you can definitely get people to buy 10 plates pretty easily. Oh. Dude, yes. You can, I, can, I just see... No reason. If even if they don't do it as part of the collector's editions for games, which they absolutely could, but they even will. if they don't, just say, "Hey, alongside uh, God of War or Horizon or whatever, when Horizon Forbidden West uh, launches, it'd be really cool." If right now they're like, "Hey, as part of this game's uh, launching, we're doing a limited edition uh, Horizon console uh, shell that yeah. you'll be able to buy for seventy five, a hundred, eighty five, whatever it be." I wouldn't be surprised if they did that too, but I I think it'll be like you can get. Because all they'll have to do is, it's what, $70, so $125 for a faceplate and a, and a thing, you know? It doesn't even have to be the deluxe edition and people will buy it. But then you could have, like, a plain... You could do, like, they had that God of War PS3 4 that was all etched up and really cool, and they'll have that, and then the one you can buy in store is just kind of like a sticker or a print, you know what I mean? I think that's what uh, they'll I gotta, do. I got to push back on you. Premium. The God of War PlayStation is is not etched up at all. It's well, one a flat of them, picture of the X. Isn't, isn't there one that's all etched up and like actually the Last of Us premium? The Last okay, of Us Two is the only one. But yes. So then I misspoke. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Is like they'll have that premium one that you can get, or it'll be like, oh, here's your crappy, you know, printed faceplate that has the freaking poster for Horizon Two on it. You know what I mean? That's what I think. They'll yeah, do. dude. The the God of War PlayStation Four Pro is such a, a missed opportunity. It's just a mm-hmm. flat, it's a flat, glossy picture of the axe. What? It doesn't make sense, dude. Give it, make it matte. Etch the actual runes into the system where they're at on the axe. Etch the lines that are the body lines of the axe. What are you doing, Sony? Sell it for a hundred dollars more. You I don't even I care. Mean? Yes, that's what but I'm make saying. Make it yeah. unique. Why? Yeah, exactly. Like I'll give it, dude. The Kingdom Hearts, uh, the Kingdom Hearts three PS4 Pro is is sick. It's really mm. unique and interesting. And the Last of Us one, was despite being a fairly obvious design, felt really nice because it was a matte uh, yeah. pl- faceplate with it embossed in there, and it looked awesome. Uh, so yeah, that's what people want, dude. I mean, like. Xbox have really, and I've said it a million times, but I gotta keep saying it. Xbox have really set the tone for what a custom system should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a handful <laughs> of custom PlayStation fours that really look excellent. One of them, surprisingly enough, was Destiny Two: The Taken King. That was a beautiful system, looked really cool. But that's enough of that. Um, Chris, uh, anything else about the uh, dual sensor face plates you want to say before we move on? No, but I'm definitely buying the purples. Although I kind of go purple. The, yeah, I love it. It looks so good. Yeah, you kind of want what? I kind of want the pink controller. I don't know why, but I like I like the look of it. It looks really good. Go for it. My wife saw. It. I was like, "Is that a pink controller?" I said, "Yeah." I'm I'm, I'm, pr- I'm kind of proud of them that they're hitting that this early in the generation. Yeah, because it took them forever to hit like a, a, a 
non I don't say that because there's there's colors but they didn't really hit that side of the spectrum much until really late in the PS4 and then they did a good job though because like the rose gold DualShock 4 looked cool and then it had a matching headset that's cool my wife was like almost trying to get me to get one of those for her, even though she yeah. never plays games but <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I, trying I, she, she she played and beat Bucks, Bucks next I'm proud of her you know nice I got some late breaking news if you'd like it let's hear it Eurogamer is reporting that Gran Turismo 7 will include 420 car models and 90 tracks and have realistic a, weather and scenery. So if you're excited you for that game, there you go. Gran Turismo 7. I am excited for Gran Turismo 7. Big return to form. Uh, not the sport was bad. Sport was just a, it was an offshoot style game. So um, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm a little still like, ah, that sucks that they didn't get ray tracing to work in game, like while you're playing it for Gran Turismo 7, um, when you've seen so many games pull off ray tracing. But that's probably to make sure they keep that 60 frames per second up. I don't blame them because I'm going to tell you right now, when I played Forza Horizon on Xbox One um, at 30 frames per second after playing Forza Horizon 4 on computer at 60, I was like, oh, no, yeah. buddy, I'm good. I don't want that. So I can't blame them. Uh, all right. So. We are going to move into the community's take. And the community's take, of course, if you're not familiar, is where we ask the community, like I said, a question at the end of every episode and then post it uh, two or so days usually before we end up recording here to give you all a chance to give your thoughts on whatever that question was so that you could be part of the discussion. We like hearing people kind of push back on things we've said that they disagree with, give a new perspective on things that we maybe didn't think about. Those are always fun. So this week, community's take question was, do awards being given to games impact the way you view them? Does a game you had little interest in winning, uh, does a game you had little interest in winning game of the year make you feel that maybe you should play it? If it's a game that wins best story, best multiplayer, does any of those awards from any award outlet pull you into thinking maybe you should play a game. Uh, and this question was inspired and more or less posed by Josh Shoup, one of our longtime listeners. Josh, hope you're doing well, buddy. Um, and I think it's an interesting question because I kind of figured it, it really depends vastly on the person, but we got a number of responses. So one of the first ones I'm going to pull is actually from Twitter and it's from uh Chad at Sand Coffin or Sand X Coffin. Uh, he says, No, I hardly pay attention to the awards, mostly watching for games. I turned the game awards off after Persona 4 Arena Ultimax uh, announcement. Also, majority of the games I like playing hardly win or get nominated, so less interested in rewards or in awards because of that. Um, and I did take that opportunity to specify that it is awards from anywhere. And I think that that's really any award show, any podcast, just kind of whatever. Or is there ever a time where you feel like something happens and uh, it kind of changes? Um, so in the same boat, uh, Liam says, same as Chato's answer, game awards mean nothing to me, especially when niche games with 100% better everything get ignored. Um, and to some degree, I think that definitely the game awards and award show have to kind of contend with that where they're trying to speak to the bigger population <clears throat> of games. And a lot of times those niche games don't get brought up because a lot of people don't know about them. And the unfortunate thing is that it might actually be cool for something like the Game Awards to bring games that are more niche into the light for people and say, hey, here's a nomination for something we think this game, this game did well and maybe get it in front of more people. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? 
Um, I agree. I think they should highlight some of that stuff. I thought it was pretty funny that they showed Inscription, but then I don't think they ever really talked about it outside of maybe it winning one thing. So I, I kind of wish they would do more to highlight indies and smaller games, but I also get why they don't. It's kind of hard to sell your show off like, ooh, look at this indie platformer. You know what I mean? Not that I don't like those. Yeah. But. And that, yeah, it's kind of what we talked about with this idea of the game awards being so commercialized is like they're going to end up going towards, they're going to regress toward the mean. The biggest games are going to be the thing that's talked about the most. And they'll occasionally do this thing where they're like, hey, look, we're showing an indie game, but usually it's because it's an indie game that broke the mold of most indie games and got very big despite the mm-hmm. fact that it was indie. So in a way, they're still keeping with uh, their MO for the, for the show in that regard. Um, but it's unfortunate because like, I know a lot of people, uh, and let me look up. I, I think this was technically last year, if I remember correctly, end of the year. Um, oh, it's 2019. Yeah, uh, a lot of people really love uh, 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, and I haven't gotten around to playing it yet. Good game. But I don't remember it being, or I think it did actually get nominated at the Game Awards for something, as crazy as that is. Yeah, it was nominated for Best Narrative in 2020 uh, Game Awards because it was a very late. That's what I thought. So it was being talked about last year because it was a late thing, which actually somebody brings into play here. Uh, over on Facebook, uh, Mr. Sean Easton says, it's hard to take the awards too seriously when many of them don't actually include all the games released that year. Many don't include December or even much of November releases. Um, and while that is technically askew a little bit from the question, I get where he's coming from. You don't really look to it to bring anything new to your attention because it misses a large swath of the releases for that year period, which Chris and I kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. That feeling that games are missed out and moved to another year when they're not really part of another year's game set. Yeah, I don't um, like that, personally. I think that's just... It's weird because like I know PLS is like IGN have done that, and like for them, for me, with them, it's like, it's your responsibility to have played those games before you put that opinion out. But then stuff like us, I think it's just a matter of like, yeah, we'll do it in like February. You know what I mean? If we're not going to get to everything, that's how I see it. I think stuff should be talked about if you can get to it. Yeah. And the harder thing is, is that I think a lot of the shows like us that kind of do these things want to talk about every game that might come into play, but Mm -hmm. we're far less people. Whereas it yeah. feels a lot more irresponsible for someone like IGN with tons of employees who review a ton of games to not do that. You know, like for exactly. us, we're kind of having this internal conversation of like, are we going to be able to play It Takes Two? Are we going to, I was going to try and play Metroid, uh, Metroid Dread, but it's just not pulling to me. Um, and I don't know if I'll get to Psychonauts 2 before we intend to do our Game of the Year episode. So we were always start our Game of the Year <coughs> saying, like, this is games we played this year that we love, but it's not indicative mm-hmm. of every game that released. And there are things that are going to be missed exactly. because we're up until this year, we were two people. You know, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think a lot of that is just recognizing, like, we don't, I guess I, it sounds like you guys don't call it Game of the Year, where IGN does. So that implies, like, to me, that implies we've tried every, everything that came out this year, and we're not cutting wow. it off before something like Far Cry 3, which is the biggest example, the best game of that year, comes out, and then they're just like, well, it's too late, we're going to skip it. And then, like Hitman 3 this year at the Game Awards, you forget because it was so far, it was a year ago, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a weird thing to kind of go through. And I mean, we use the, the word game of the, game of the year, but... 
we use it with a more personal sense, kind of like when we were having that conversation of what is game of the year for us. And it's not this idea that we've played everything. It's of what we've played. These are the things that stood out the most to us. Right. And I'm always willing and, and listening and wanting to hear people's thoughts on games that even may not be up on my radar. So mm-hmm. I, like, you know, hearing, having Doki Doki finally come to PlayStation 4 after hearing about it forever and then getting a chance to play, it was nice. Because like, I've, yeah. he- I've heard about this forever, but it came to a point where I had a time to play. It was on a system that was easy enough for me to play it on. It felt like the game was relevant again, so it's easy to be able to talk about it. And that kind of stuff is cool. Uh, but you're right. Sometimes games get so pushed back that it's like, well, that was December of last year, and now we're in December of this year. Why are we not talk? Why didn't we talk about that game last year? It's a hard thing to swallow, uh, if, if nothing else. But uh, a couple more answers that I'm going to grab from here. Let's see. Um, uh, it looks like a lot of it comes down to, and, and I like the answer because I, I think I agree with it too, even though I, I understand where Josh is coming from. Uh, Joshua Lago says, kinda, not really. I don't recall a time I ever did more than glance at that detail of a game and go, neat, before forgetting about it. Usually, it's the conversation, a review, a recommendation, or personal interest that gets me playing something new. I think that's really my answer, too. But looking at Josh Sheep's question, I think really where I'm at is it did give me more of a feeling to play it. But like I said about Chris and I, we were already in that thing of like, we should play this. And then it wins game of the year. And you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, we should really play this because we were already interested. And then it won an award. So it feels even more like, yeah, we were probably onto something, excuse me, onto something by wanting to play it to begin with. Um, I will say to Josh's thing, Chris, do you ever feel like there was a game that you knew very little to nothing about that one game of the year and that made you go, huh, I'm going to check that out? Like, has that it ever one happened to you? Game of the year specifically? No, not at all. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, really, I think that the only times it gets me is when it's a game that I waited too long on. I'm, I'm going to check while you read coming. the next one, but I don't yeah, think so. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to go back over real quick. We have. <clears throat> awesome Dave one three three seven says something very similar. He says, "For me personally, awards and award shows don't do it for me when it comes to wanting to try a game. I tend to listen to podcasts and watch YouTubers, and from their opinions, and takes uh, is what leads me to try a game I may not have tried. I hate how commercialized award shows are, and I prefer to make choices based <clears throat> on passionate creators over large groups slash companies." Um, which kind of t- like strikes into what you were talking about, Chris. This idea that I think more people are willing to swallow the pill of game of the year from a small, passionate group of people than a big website that has the means to play most games. Uh, and that's why I think it's when they say game of the year and then don't include a bunch of stuff or include something that's like, eh, it feels non-personal it, despite how much they try. Whereas I think that we have the ability to be like, this was my game of the year and this is why I feel this way. And it's very personal. And here are the other things I played that I think did give it some kind of competition and contended with it. Um, so Chris, did you find a game? Throughout no, your, there, your there's not, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to sound rude, but there's not a single game here that anyone hasn't heard of. It's 2014 was dragon age inquisition. Then yep. it was Witcher 3, which is a bad game. Then Overwatch. <laughs> then The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is one of the best games of all time. God of War 2018. Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Whatever. The Last of Us 2. Yikes. And then It Takes Two this year. So, I, I mean, all those games were massive. So, no, I didn't miss any of them personally. I think it would be like the smaller things. And, like, you might have missed, like, say- 
that that's a benefit and why it's kind of does suck even though i don't care about the awards it does suck that they don't do more because maybe inscription won an award this year maybe someone has seen that but i don't think they spent any time talking about it or pointing out like this is inscription it won indie game of the year this is what you do so just because it won like who's gonna who's gonna look at that that would be like reading a bullet point list of game game of the years and it's being like oh this inscription game one indie uh, okay that doesn't mean anything to me you know what i mean yeah i was gonna say that the game awards is really leaning on putting the impetus back on the player to have to go look and put that labor on themselves which doesn't have to be a bad thing but they have a platform to be like this is why you should have been looking at this game and why we feel it deserves this award i've always thought it was weird with award shows that when they talk about the nominations, they don't really talk about why it was nominated. And then when it wins, they don't double down and go, well, this is why it won. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a weird thing. Like I think with every game, including inscription, it should be like, this is what made it a really interesting indie. This is what made the other indies really interesting. But this one pushed these out because of this, this, and this. And it just kind of really missed that mark. So is what it is in that regard. Um, commercialization though awesome dave i think that's a really good way to go about putting it so agreed i also chris i noticed it's really hard not to do because the game awards is so commercialized that it becomes Mm -hmm. synonymous in your brain but you know we we did open this to include anything and yet almost everybody keeps kind of coming back to this idea of the game awards and it really shows how much how pervasive the game awards have become because like i'm I'm assuming when you just thought of that you only went and looked at what one game of the year from the game awards the last i did right because that's what we keep talking about but i'm going to look up the dice game awards and actually come see and compare it (laughs) yeah okay uh let's see that looks like um I'm going to grab two more. I don't want to do too much, but Rude Cold says, I will definitely play a game if it gets game of the year, but usually I've played all of the nominees anyway. I will definitely try It Takes Two and would have done already uh, that uh, if it hadn't been for the co-op only nature of it, that's made it difficult to do so as many of my mates don't really game anymore. And Rude, I know you're on a very different time schedule than me and I've got to play the game mm-hmm. I've already told Chris I'd play with him too and I know that you had mentioned it I don't mind trying to play with you if you just can't play with anybody else let me know and we'll try and work out a time uh, so we can do that because it does that was one of the things about a way out it's special because it forces you to play with someone else and I do think that, that they, they shouldn't have taken that out of the game mm-hmm. but it does create a barrier of entry that's just really hard to I, I say it's hard to overcome they try and make it easy as they can because the other person doesn't have to buy the game to play it Right, which is awesome. But it's which is awesome, but it's you still have to have people who are willing to do that. And at some point it's just hard. Uh one more. This is the last one. Jehudi MD. Root code is also one of our patrons. Thanks, man. Jehudi's one of our patrons. He says it's it used to, but not anymore. After I was questioning the selection of particular games during years in the past, some games did not seem to offer the fun factor as much as I experienced despite being game of the year material. Case in point, The Walking Dead, Witcher 3, etc. Nowadays, I just check different outlets' game of the year list out of curiosity, and in the off chance that I missed a game that could interest me. Yeah. I mean, that's how I found Chicory. I, I looked at IG, or Pol- I can't believe it, but I looked at Polygon's game of the year list and they had it there. It sounded really cool. So I bought it. Yeah. I think sometimes the biggest thing you do is look at nominations <clears throat> for game of the year and then which one has, has yeah. actually won. Because I think the nominations tend to kind of actually show you a little bit more of things that you might have missed. Because you're right. Normally, if something wins, wins game of the year, at the very least, you've heard of it. 
and you've probably seen at least enough of it to have felt like you chose not to play it for some reason or you didn't prioritize playing it. One of those two things. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's not even an outright choice of I'm not going to play that. It's a I'll play that if I get the opportunity and then that opportunity never comes and the game leaves your mind and it's gone. And that's just kind of how it happens, unfortunately. Uh, but Chris, Agreed. yes, that brings us to the end of the community's take, Does. which begs but the question. Let me, let me add some context quick to the community's take. So the Dice Game Awards uh, will start for 2014. They've been going since 97. Um, but 2014, Dragon Age Inquisition, they were together on that one. 2015, Fallout 4. Better than Witcher 3, so yes. Uh, nope. Overwatch, wrong. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, 2017. Overwatch was wrong, yeah. Good job. No, Witcher 3 is terrible. 2018, God of War. 2019, Untitled Goose Game. And 2020 was Hades. Uh, they I have like, not awarded I like most a of those answers. Yeah, Goose Game seems weird, but I didn't play That I game was really fun. It. Is it better than Sekiro really though? Like you, I don't even like Sekiro, and I think Sekiro was game of the year last that year. So better is such a hard conversation well, to have in gaming. Actually, the you Outer know? Worlds. Believe it or not, you're gonna think it's funny, but the Outer Worlds would be my game of the year for that year in hindsight. But <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> um, of all the hates. games that you could crap on and then come back around to, uh, they the are you, so good. Play the Outer Worlds if you never played it. Awesome. Stuff. I just want to go back and find all the voice recording of you talking about how bad that <laughs> world was. But I'll take that. I'll take that. This is one of those things where sometimes you just got to play something with a different mindset or play it again and you'll find something that really surprises you. Yeah. You know? It's just a matter like it happens of like, you listen to a song again. You're like, this song's way better than I felt like I remember. I agree. You watch a movie again. You're like, what? We're not, it's, we, read a book don't again. Do it to I'm me, not going. Not I'm not. <laughs> hush. Hush. Um, it was more of the examples. You could read a book and the first time the book, you, you exactly. put it down because you didn't like it and you come back and you're like, that's amazing. Right. You know? Well, it's just, you know, it's a matter of just trying something. Like the thing is like, I make, the jokes about the witchers the witcher i do genuinely think that game sucks but i know why people like it but i've tried to play that game a solid five times and i'm going to try again when it comes out on ps5 i guarantee i'm gonna hate it for the sixth time so (laughs) it just doesn't work for me that's what happened you know outer worlds didn't work yeah i think that's the better answer right because like you say like breath of the wild right and i know a lot of people love breath of the wild i will never call it a bad game because i don't think it's a bad game it just didn't work I, for me. I have reasons mechanically why I think The Witcher is a bad game outside of anything else. I think it controls like crap. I think the menus are crap. I think the quests are not good except for one quest, which is the best quest of all time in video games. So I don't think it's good. But I see the appeal if you really want to do that. There's better yeah, games I to mean, do that with. That, that's basically how I feel about Breath of the Wild. I think mechanically the game is mostly garbage in an empty world that's uninspired, and yet people find enjoyment in it. So, uh, yeah, But, I mean, again, coming off of saying that Halo suffers from almost all those problems, and I like Halo, mm-hmm. but I didn't hate Breath of the Wild. It was just like 15 to 20 hours in. I didn't want to play it anymore, and yeah. I never went back. It's just kind yeah. of how it goes. Um but that's, that goes well. Somebody, it's so hard to look at what's better in gaming. And I think it's part of what makes the Game Awards so heated is that much like everything, it's hard to... When there's this aspect of interaction, I feel like it's even harder 
to find a way to separate and quantify what was truly better. Instead, what you end up with, and most of the time it's what game of the year ends up winning, and whether or not you agree with it or not, uh, is that kind of like what we talked about. We're part of this system. A game could be so amazing to you because of the, just the way it felt from an interaction standpoint. You could love Forza, but pretty much everyone universally feels that Forza is not going to win game of the year, even if it was their favorite game in that year, because that's not what the game awards and people around that tend to focus on. Because it's so hard with this interactive element, it tends to be the non-interactive element most of the time that ends up pushing a game into its game of the year aspect. It's normally something like the story. Nine times out of ten, a game that goes forward is typically the story and not purely because it was a fun game. It's a hard conversation to kind of circle around, too, because of that. Right. But that's okay. So do we just want to talk about like what game of the year means at this point? Or are we done I mean, talking that's, that's about That's fine. That's, that's what I was going to ask is, uh, what do you want the uh, main topic to be, if anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, cause I don't know. Cause for me, I find game of the year super weird because I don't think game of the year necessarily means best game. Yeah, I actually agree with that. That's, that's my, thing. I'm not trying to, when, when I posit that a game is my game of the year for any given year, I don't think it was the best game that year. I think it was the no. game that reacted with me the most. Um, I think what's interesting is. I guess we can continue that conversation. Game of the year insofar as what makes a game better than another one in the way that you're choosing to qualify, quantify that. Because the reality is like, I was so close to Greedfall being my game of the year mm-hmm. <laughs> for that year because I just loved what it did. Now, if I look at any one aspect, are there games that have done better? Absolutely. But the way everything came together in a, in a package that felt reminiscent of some things, but new in some ways, it's like, for whatever reason, this game is speaking to me in a way that most games aren't this year. And that the way it's speaking to me is novel and interesting enough for me to not want to go and give it to this other game that may have done a lot of things better because it didn't speak to me on the same way. It didn't speak to me in this particular way that's resonating with me at this time of, you know, looking at that option and having that discussion. And I think that's what game of the year, you know, I think a lot of people keep that in mind as they game throughout the year, but it's such a fluid thing that by the time you get to December, you have to rely on a lot of different feelings. And I think one of the things that happens by nature of humans is that things tend to win game of the year that came out closer to when the award was given due to recency bias, you know, yeah. No, exactly. Because I've always maintained that. Um, what do you know? What year Fortnite came out? Like, abs- like the battle royale. Let me check. Oh, the battle royale, a twenty eighteen. Okay, so twenty seventeen. I just looked seventeen. Um, the game of the year for twenty seventeen, and arguably the game of the year from twenty seventeen to today, has been Fortnite. Right, you can make that, the statement, but I want to hear. I, and I, I think I, I get with you. I get you on 2017, and realistically, I would say 2018, the the second year where they really blew up and, and changed things. Forever. Has been, but the most dominant and the topic of conversation f- since 2017. It is the biggest game of every year it's been out since 2017. 
not necessarily sales wise, but conversation wise. Cross, I mean, look at what they're doing with the crossovers. You can play Master Chief, Batman, Spider Man, and Marcus Phoenix all on the same team, and Kratos and and Aloy. Like that, there is no game that's doing this stuff. So why why is Fortnite not game of the year? Because it doesn't have the best mechanics, right? Because you know what I mean. It is the biggest game of that year, and we're not. I think it's that. I think whenever if I was going to look at it, right, I think the reason mm-hmm. I would say that is specifically the fact that, for the most part, it's it's not that its novelty is worn out; it's that its novelty is not thought of in the game of the year style thing anymore because it's already gotten accolades for that novelty that it continues to push on, and that's still drawing and compelling for people to come in and play the game, but it's mm-hmm. not as compelling for people who were. And again, this is why <laughs> I think it's important that we talk about game show or game award shows and really award shows in general tend not to be voter based. This isn't if you went and asked every gamer that you could get to respond to you, what their game of the year was and then aggregated it off of that. Instead, it's a panel of judges who have their mm-hmm. own biases towards a number of things that go away from that. So I think what really is the answer there uh, is that, those judges, even if they still play that game, aren't looking at the game in that way anymore. You know, for me, if you want to ask the reason for me, is because I'm not drawn by Fortnite at all. But I agree with you in the fact that it's one of the most impactful games to have ever released well, that, because of the mm-hmm. fact that it's part of almost every conversation in gaming for either how much a game is or isn't like Fortnite and whether it should or should not be like Fortnite. Right. It gets brought well, up so commonly that it's such a it's a it's a baseline comparison for gaming at this point. Yeah, and I mean, think, look at the, the other kind. We're, let's focus on the Game Awards, right? But even outlets do this. It's best action game, best indie game, best racing game, best co-op game, best family game, and then it's just game of the year. Now, why is there no best overall game and then game of the year? Well, I think that that's what they that, try to do, and it doesn't quite work with ongoing game, best ongoing game. And the reality is, is that every year Fortnite should win best ongoing game, and there right. is a category for that in multiple of outlets and specifically the game See, awards as well. I don't think, and yet Fortnite doesn't normally win. You know, what but I mean? that's my thing is I don't think Fortnite has to be the best, the best ongoing game to be the best game of the, the, the game of the year. Cause okay, let's, let me put it in, in our best overall of, game as your, as your kind of positive. Well, yeah, I would say right? it's, it's, it's never been best overall game, but it has been game of the year every year since it's been out. Because if you think about it this way, what go ahead. Well, I guess I, I, I took the way you first said it backwards is what I think I'm realizing. I thought you were saying that Fortnite, you were positing that best overall game would be for Fortnite and then game of the no. year would get to be for something else. Instead, you're saying for that year, whatever, like in this case, it takes two would be best overall game and then game yes. of the year would be Fortnite. Fortnite. I got gotcha. you. That's what I'm saying and that's why it doesn't make sense. Because if you look at it in baseball terms, right, the MVP has no, no discernible definition. So a lot of people will be like, well, they have to make the playoffs or they have to do this or, but the best player of a lot of years doesn't make the playoffs because he's on a bad team. It's Mike Trout. He's the best player of all time. It's kind of the same thing to me where there's no specific definition of what game of the year means, which means that it is up to my interpretation, which my interpretation, the game of the year should be the game that dominated that year. 
You know what I mean? So in 1997, you could say GoldenEye, I, I wasn't, I was five. I don't have context really, but I'm making a point here. GoldenEye was probably the be- biggest game of that year. You know what I mean? So GoldenEye, outside of being probably the best game that came out in 97, I don't know, was also the biggest game. So, But we get to a situation in this year where, okay, Fortnite it has been the biggest game. You could even argue that last year in 2020 when The Last of Us won, The Last of Us was the right choice because of the controversy, because of the news, and then the game itself also being fine. You know what I mean? But I don't think it was the best overall game of the year but i do think it dominated the conversation in a way that makes it game the game of the year yeah i think i I get what you're coming to a degree and a lot of this i feel like has to stem from the fact that gaming up and outside of mmos i'll clarify Mm -hmm. there outside of mmos gaming and definitely gaming awards have tended to lean towards looking at game and micro capsules. This is a year we're going to break it off and talk about what's in this year, but that's because it used to, you could do that. As we talked about with multiplayer, multiplayer for games normally lasted strong for a year to a year and a half. And you were very lucky if you got to that two year mark before it died off. Right? So normally your game would not be around and active with player base for you to be being talked about in the following year. Whereas games as a service really hitting big with ideas like League of Legends, then bleeding over into things like Fortnite and all the other countless games as a service, Apex, PUBG, if you want to throw that into the plate. Mm-hmm. Any game that sees a continuous seasonal update, Sea of Thieves, um, those eschew things to this point to where a game can still be the biggest game six years later if they've done a great job of keeping that game alive. Whereas used to, you would see that isolated to MMOs where it was like, arguably for a long time, you could probably argue that world of Warcraft was the biggest game for a long time, but nobody really talked about MMOs in that conversation because the other weird thing about the game awards is I find them to be very console skewed when reality is, is that the majority of players are actually on PC and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Phones, Just like I said to you, know, you and, and what what phone game was nominated for a game of the year this mm-hmm. year? And maybe that's because there wasn't a game that really pushed the boundaries on phones at all. That might really right. truly be the answer. But in a in a year where something like an ordinary lost phone came out, that's an interesting game that probably did more mm-hmm. with the idea of what it means to be interactive than anything that came out that year. And yet it wasn't talked about. So let me let me posit something. We have to take Fortnite out of this because I'm talking about a 2017 game here. Battlefront 2 and its effect on the industry, the conversation around that game, the ramifications, the backlash, the way it changed, what happened with that. Why is that not game of the year? That is arguably the most important game to the landscape of video games today. That should that should also be a game of the year because we're not talking about best game. That is not what the category says. The category does not say best game. It says game of the year. What game? But they're using game of the year to be positive, and I think that that's the interesting thing. I almost wonder if there should be a, a, a category that's really looked at and called 
most impactful game of the year. And impactful does not have to have a po- an inherently positive or negative connotation tied to it. And you can really look at it and go, the most impactful game this year in 2017 was Battlefront 2 because of what the impact of it mm-hmm. had on the gaming industry was. Then you could look and say Fortnite in 2018 as it really revolutionized what it meant to be a growing game as a service, revolutionized the way that we look at monetization in games and moving forward and having crossover and all these things. That makes it the biggest game this year. And maybe it makes Fortnite the biggest game every year. Maybe it makes Inscription, because Inscription does something specific. Maybe it makes that the most impactful game of that year. Uh, But I definitely think that the conversation around the game is probably the thing that should really do it. And much like you said, The Last of Us 2 is an interesting answer for that role, for sure, if you were to look at most impactful game because of the conversation and how long and how fervorous it was. It lasted a lot longer than conversations about most games do. You know, mm-hmm. look at any game that was on the, the, the game of the year thing this year. Uh, let's see. It was death loop. It takes two um, Metroid dread. Um, what else is on there? Ratchet and clank. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything else. Well, either way, there's plenty of games on there, right? But if I even look at every single one of those games, none of them lasted, the conversation around the game, none of them really lasted longer than around the month after their release. Mm -hmm. I think Deathloop had one of the biggest, and I think that was because it happened to be one of these weird things where it's technically a Microsoft game on PlayStation. So there's extenuating factors that made that game want to be talked about more because it's in a weird spot in an industry. But that was probably it. Yeah, you well, know? it's also a controversial game because that's a six that everyone gave tens to. You know what I mean? I know you have a different opinion, but a, a lot of people don't think that's a ten where every outlet gave it a ten. So there was almost a conversation of like, why did this happen? You know what I mean? Where people were saying, oh, well, it's arcane. People like arcane. They like this style. And then you had the crappier side of the industry where like, well, it's, they're black protagonists. So it got bumped up. You know, you had so many conversations that were cropping up about the game where I would almost argue that to my point, sure, we can call Deathloop game of the year. It's, I, I don't think it's good, but it started the, probably the biggest conversation of this year. And, yeah. And, and, and that's what I was going to say is that realistically, the only game this year that had the, of the game of the year that had any kind of staying power past its month past release was Deathloop. Whether that makes it the best game of the year or not is more or less unimportant. It's yeah. that, of every game listed, like I think the biggest conver- controversy I've seen about Metroid Dread and one of the only ones that's still alive is how much people hated that David Jaffe said it was a, not a great game, <laughs> well, and dude, that, I, that has just continued to, to like you know permeate through permeate, his yeah. things. And you want to know what I would give him the year this year? Wow, Ar- arguably yes. Wow, it sounds weird. Probably biggest impact in gaming this entire year for really looking at this is WoW and Final Fantasy XIV together. Right, absolutely. (laughs) It's a a tie because this thing happened. WoW encapsulates the problem of Activision. Activision being the biggest thing and it affecting, I don't want to speak for Call of Duty because I haven't seen the sales, but I would say that um, this year it probably killed WoW. And I think that has less to do with Final Fantasy than it does with the Bill Cosby room or, you know, Jesse McCree. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
and that that's the thing it's like well wow. years of compounding information but yeah yeah for you're sure right. there's but there's wow so much the, around is it. the point is the what is it the i don't know the fire point you know what i mean the yeah, beginning of it's it where everything's being dumped into yeah mm-hmm. and looked at yeah so i don't know i think I, I don't know to me game of the year and best game are two different things and i've never understood why we keep having why that's not we've because if there was a definition where okay game of the year is the best game of the year fine but then i question like okay why isn't it just action game of the year why is it best action game you know what i mean we we label them differently and i think it's just for a snazzy title but i think that there's a more important conversation to be had about a more interesting conversation to be had with game of the year you know why isn't wow yeah, whereas i think year? why isn't it fortnite Battlefront. The most, you know, the I mean. most interest. The, the, yeah, the the most they want to get away with from Game of the Year is really, and I understand it. And it's, I I will say that it is an uplifting idea. I don't necessarily think that it's the most valuable way to look at the the biggest impact of a, something from a game in, in the year. But I think the reason is that it's kind of used. There's something about humans where we like to be able to say that one thing is the best above all. And part of the reason I even say that, right, is like you and Blake on the Discord yesterday Mm -hmm. uh, sharing your MCU rankings. And in your MCU rankings, you and your brain have decided that uh, No Way Home is your your top MCU movie of all time, right? Because you wanted to quantify which one is the best to you. And humans, including me and everyone, most people have a very big predisposition towards that it's you want to categorize things and even though you you look and say well why isn't it just stay a best action game well it's because people want well that was the best action game this is best rpg but then we could put different things from all that together and say which one of these games was the absolute cream of the crop this year and that's easy to do on a personal scale like you did with your mcu rankings that's impossible to do on a scale the size of something like the Game Awards or even an IGN one to where it's not going to have some kind of kickback. I almost think the better way to view this <laughs> is to look and to say, let games be their thing. And then, yeah, let's talk about the most important game of the year, not the best game of the year. And maybe well, you're going to have years where the most important game of the year also did end up being the best game of the year. And the reason that that game was the most important is because of something it did that impacts games moving forward. <coughs> but, I just... Sometimes it's not. I, I think I, I really agree with most of mm-hmm. what you're saying. I just don't know if changing game of the year is going to be the way to go about it. I think if well, nothing just, else, I would relent with, I would almost say that the biggest award at any show should be looked at from this standpoint of what had, what caused the biggest impact, positive, negative, neutral, anything in the, in the industry. I guess to me, calling it best game of the, you can even call it, best game of the year and i think that defines what we're looking for way more than game of the year because i just think there's an inherent assumption that i don't know how to explain it any more than i have but i feel like leaving it as game of the year and not putting best leaves it open to interpretation where there doesn't need to be interpretation because again yeah because you could Fortnite argue the worst game, game of the, of the year, year is game of the year yeah right because you're not specifying which one the game of the year could be well which one the worst game of the year had a bigger draw than anything so we're going to talk about the worst game I mean, of the year yeah. among us didn't come out last year right and that was the biggest game of last year so why wasn't among us game of the year because it didn't yeah. have come out within 12 months but it was the biggest game you know that's the problem with it. If we're going to call it, 
you know, you want to be pedantic and call it game game of this year or or game that released in the calendar year 2020 or best game of 2020. I think those are all different things, but game of the year should be anything. You know, for yeah, me, you know, I what think if this what if this was the first year I played Metal Gear Solid 4 and that became one of the, my favorite games of all time? Why is that's that's my game of the year? I agree with that. It's not the best game of the year. You know what I mean? That's a different thing. I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with that conversation you were having with me, like, hey, you know, can can this game I just played for the first time this year? And it wasn't Metal Gear Solid. It was uh, Death Stranding. Oh, it was Death Stranding. Yeah. Yeah. But can this be my game of the year? And sure, dude, because game of the year is definitely on something like this. We have the freedoms to, we can define what game of the year means for us. We can say, hey, this is my favorite game this year. Mm -hmm. This is the thing I played this year that moved me the most. And that's why I'm going to give it game of the year. And then you could look at and say, you know, it may not be the best game of this year. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's honestly a lot of value in looking at games that might have been buried or gotten forgotten. Like for me, like, if if we weren't defining it by years, like Spec Ops is the t- one of the best games I played this year. It's from and this is your first time ever playing it. Yeah, it was my first time ever playing it. It's an amazing I, I, game, and you know how pissed I was with those trophies, but I had so such a good time with that game that I stuck through it. You know what I mean? That this is the game that affected me the most this year. It was the game I had the most fun playing so far this year outside of Guardians. So if I had a ranking, it would be probably be like. Halo, Guardians, Spec Ops, and that and Death Stranding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two of those games didn't come out this year. I guess Death Stranding technically did, but you know what I mean. So I don't know. So for me, it should just be best game of the year or best game of 2020, or best action. Well, game why don't why don't we so... be the change we want to see in the industry? Why don't we talk with Saul and and this year we re, we change what our awards mean and what they are, and we talk about things in a different way. Yeah, because we can do both. We can say this was the best game that of 2020 that I played this year, but this was my game of the year. Spec Ops was my game of the year. Assassin's Creed Valhalla was my game of the year, if you decide that for some reason. Or you want me to play Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus could be my game of the year this year, but it wasn't it the could. best game of 2021, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, one hidden benefit from this is I think a lot of the time niche games end up being missing the mark because of the fact that people are looking at all these different things. But while the reality is that any game, be it niche or not, that ends up forming some kind of big conversation is probably going to make its way to the, even the biggest versions of awards. Mm-hmm. I think this does help games that do something unique. Uh, a good example of that is like when Doki Doki originally released in like 2016. Yeah. Um, I remember that I'd hear people talking about all the time. And the only thing I tried to ever remember is it's not what you think it's going to be. I didn't, I never wanted to know more. I was like, that's enough to draw me into the concept, but I don't want to hear any more. And then the game came out in a new form this year. And oh my God, everyone was right. Uh, And that's, that's a very niche game. Now that is a very niche game, but it it, it does something. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Uh, And, and, Things like that can end up pulling games into a situation where when you talk about games of the year that way, where you look at it as like, this is the thing I played this year that moved me the most. 
you can really bring people back around to looking back in these games that missed that missed their year for whatever reason, being overlooked, whatever it be, and giving them new life in a way that can be worthy. And that's how I think if we're wanting to look at both the actual community's take question that we asked is does mm-hmm. something being given an award actually move you and change you? I think that's the way you do that. You exactly. let people talk about their favorite game of the year, even if it's something from three years ago. And guess what? Now you might actually play a game that you missed three years ago because somebody had the balls to come back out and say, you know what? I can't, I went back and dug back around the games. I thought that I was going to get around to playing or never got to, or Hey, I had a, I got on a whim, saw about the forest three years after it came out. We got on a whim. Mm. I'm going to tell you right now, the forest was probably my game of the year last year. Realistically, yeah. we're, from what we're kind of talking about right now, I had never like, it's been so long. It's been rune factory four since I put a game in and just <laughs> constantly played it. And could not believe how like immersed and entrenched in it I was. You're just like that game was my life for like three months, and that's yeah. not normal, you know. And and to your yep. point, that's one of the interesting things we want to talk about. One of the games with the biggest impact of me this year. One of the biggest impacts on me this year is Halo multiplayer because it has me playing multiplayer mm-hmm. for mo- more than a month and a half at this point. I guess two months in, and I don't normally play multiplayer games like this. Yeah, you know it. it- I don't know, because I'd almost want to push back, because you had said something earlier where you were like, well, the biggest games tend to to show up in these conversations. And no, they don't. Tend to, but they don't always. They don't Hitman, always, but they... Hitman, Hitman 3 was not mentioned one time this year, and I guarantee you it is better than every game that was nominated for Game of the Year. I, I and I wish I had some it. kind of context to talk on that, but I haven't played it because Hitman's never really been a big push for me. And, and I'm, not, I'm only saying that of this kind of highlights the thing of why it's good for people to talk about this, right? You could talk right. about Hitman 3 and our talking about what we were like, you know, you can have nominations for the, for your own self, things that you really had to weigh against themselves of what was the most impactful to you. And that's how someone can learn about Hitman 3 and get it brought back up around right. in, in the forefront of things, you know? I mean, Hitman 3 is, is insane. You know, I play it one way. I was going for all the trophies. But, like, my brother came over and played Hitman 3. He beat the whole thing and played it entirely different than I did. He just went in guns yeah. blazing. I did nothing close to that. And that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. And not a single mention because the people who do this stuff, I don't, not to, I like Jeff, I, you know, I don't know who's on his panel, but they're not doing a good job if something like Hitman 3 is missed. If, if IGN is missing Far Cry 3 that year, you know what I mean? If, you know, you, I mean, you guys missed Dark Souls and, and our Demon Souls last year, according to Saul. You know, it's stuff like that. Like, if you're not going to do 100%, I don't think you can give best game. You know, I, this is a whole different conversation, not really germane, but I just think there's a lot of responsibility on these on people where game of the year is just something different to me. It should be anyway. It makes more sense to be something different. Also, hey, while we're talking about games, like you're talking about Hitman 3, I just mm. want to say that if you're looking at why a lot of people like Deathloop, a lot of what you just talked about with Hitman 3 is why people like Deathloop. I can have a conversation with somebody about that game, and we played that game vastly different ways. I didn't get very far in Deathloop, but I don't necessarily. I, I see where you're coming from, but I don't think it's the same in the same way. You should play Hitman uh, Three, though. If, if if you think that, I tell you what, play I'll, Hitman I'll play Three. Hit, hey, I'll play Hitman Three. You have it right. You bought it. Yeah, I bought it. I can play Hitman Three. Is there any reason why it. not playing One and Two would matter at all? I doubt it. No, because I have One and Two, so you can play them both in Hitman Three. <laughs> 
Okay, but are we going to talk about Hitman 1 and 2 levels inside of Hitman 3 or talking about Hitman 3? Just out of curiosity. No, I'm, I'm just talking about Hitman 3. I'm just saying if you want the context, you can play them. The games yeah, are sure. not long. That's hey, not hey, so it's I'll do that and I'll give you my personal comparison between the two and how alike and dislike they are in the immersive sim because I think that that's what it is. Hitman 3 mm-hmm. in many ways is this an immersive simulator. It's right. figure out what you want to do in this world and then figure out how you're going to accomplish that and then accomplish mm-hmm. it. And a lot of people are going to end up with very different versions of that yeah because the For, game gives you tools so i, I would love I, I will i'll download hitman 3 you should and we'll you'll like it it's an excellent game i'm telling you it's, i'm it's, sure it's I, yeah i'm sure impeccable. i would i've just never been drawn to it you know what i mean yeah so and yeah. i will even say that hitman 3 was the first one that i was drawn to i didn't beat one or two but hitman 3 like i got in there and i was like i can't stop playing this yeah so I mean, to but, that end, let's see what happens. But yeah, I think uh, we should talk to Saul about that. And this year, should we should really kind of put uh, our ideology and you know see if Saul agrees. But our ideology where we're at and kind of introduce I, talking about games in the right. way that we think that we want to see them talked about. Why not? I just think I don't know how we do it because this is my first game of the year with you guys. But I don't see a reason why we couldn't still do you know best action game of twenty twenty one. Best blah 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 blah. Sure. But I think just game of the year, like best game of 2021 is a different thing than game of the year, which is, I think, what we both kind of agree on now that we've talked about it for the most part, I guess. Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just conversation around the way it's been framed. It's hard to get out of your head because, you know, you've had a lifetime full of hearing game of the year mean one thing. And normally that worked because games weren't quite the same way, but games go on for a lot longer now internet makes conversations around gaming a lot different. So the implications of a game of the year are a lot different than they were 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of where it really comes down to. So uh, we'll see. But I guess in that regard, um, give us your take. <laughs> I, I want to, yeah, I want to ask yeah, that that'll be the community state question. What is, what dictates a game of the year to you on a personal level? not looking at what other people view it at. What do you in your heart feel when you think about what game meant the most to you this th- th- that year or what game of the year actually means to you when you're trying to deliberate in your head what you think your game of the year was? And are you open to looking at it from a different viewpoint um, as Chris and I are kind of throwing out and about? But uh, Chris, good talking to you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, as we said, Hope Saul is doing better. Uh, it was a fun episode, very different than what I went into it anticipating, but that normally makes for the best episodes to me. Uh, you surprised me in my own show, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to that end though remember guys if you want to support the show with this more than your time which we were always so thankful for you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month it really helps keep the show up and running without us having to dig into our own pockets which just makes it infinitely easier for us to be able to dedicate this time sit down get together actually talk about these things so that you can listen edit it all that stuff comes together and we appreciate that you help keep this show afloat. So thanks to all of you, including our new patron, like we said, um, uh, Salvador Garcia. So in that regard, we want to end this thing up by reminding you that you can go find us on social media to be part of the community's take over on Twitter at Triangle S-Q-R-D. You can find us on Facebook in the group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast, or you can always click down in the description below on either the audio version of this on podcast services 
or on the video version on YouTube and find our Discord. Hop in there. We love talking to people. There's a dedicated section for the community's take for you to answer and then a dedicated section for you to discuss amongst other people their thoughts on the community's take if you uh, kind of want to have that conversation with people. Uh, we love everybody who's in our Discord. You guys are great and you make it really fun for us to go into. So without further ado, Chris, I'll see you next week, at least on here, but I'll definitely talk Ooh. to you far, far more throughout the week because <laughs> yes. that's what we do. <laughs> uh, but big shout out to our patrons, Salvador Garcia, Ham and Egger, Bailey Robertson, Rob Warpoint, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Richard Schaefer, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villiobos, Solitary Red, Chihuti MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all.